Hey, what's up, Leftover Army? This is uh, Brian, and uh, before I start the episode, I wanted to make an announcement. This week's episode, uh, we we uh, we were recording on a Friday night, which we typically record on a Sunday, which is totally out of the normal. And you know, the guys were kind of tired; they had worked. I I was tired; I worked. And so when we started the recording, I didn't do a test recording first. And what happened was, instead of recording through the mixer, it actually recorded through the microphone in my PC, which I guess could have been a disaster, but it actually sounds okay. It's not the top quality audio that you get every week. Not saying that we have top quality. I just did. It's, I guess we could say we have good audio, but, you know, I guess our content's pretty shitty. But, uh, you know, so go, go figure, you know, we record this and it's uh, through the internal mic on the PC. Yeah, so I had to... I'm going to put the episode out anyway, but, you know, I apologize for anybody uh, if it if it doesn't sound as good as it has in previous weeks. And if you're a first-time listener, this is not usually how the show sounds when we when we record. It sounds a lot better, uh, and we'll make sure to get this problem, you know, rectified on the next episode. We're always making excuses and apologies for this fucking show, I swear. But we, we, we're going to get it fixed, and, and I apologize again. But I wanted to thank everybody. I asked the, the leftover army. You know, if we should put this out. And uh, a lot of people responded and said that, yeah, they want us to put the episode up anyway. And it, I mean, it's listenable. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank Bryce Logan, Jared and Emily Gafford, David Isaac, Daryl S. Ross, Austin Shadowin, Cameron Wilson, Ryan Drost, Manuel Enrique Arazo Godoy, Jeffrey Tuhig, Local Adam, Aaron Claude Miller, Dustin Porter, Kelly Claiborne, Dan West. Michael W. Cornish, Jake Johnston, Gus Hoontite, Eric Rosales, Final Round, Brandon Hanks, Justin Paris, Basil Tarabishi, CC Chandler, and Greg Pagano. Thank you so much for wanting us to put out this, this, uh, shitty episode. <laughs> but, uh, you asked for it, you got it. And, uh, here it is without further ado Pop Culture Leftovers, episode 45. <laughs> You know he's singing to a blind woman. Yep. <laughs> hey, man, I only got one good working eye anyway. Hello. What the fuck difference does it make? <laughs> Shit, Is I still got one. <laughs> She's not looking anywhere. She can't see. <laughs> 
She's not he, looking at you, dude. He'd be waving. <laughs> she doesn't matter, Lionel. It's kind of creepy that you're all up in her business. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the song was about Helen Keller, and he was kind of the song should have been around. "Hello, is it me you're listening for?" <laughs> yeah. You know, Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking at? Mm. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to think that. His Let me tell you about like Daredevil. <laughs> When I when I was a kid, I used to think his first name was the uh, toy manufacturer Lionel Toys. Mm. I was like Lionel Toys. What? Who the fuck is this? He was a sexy, <laughs> smooth motherfucker in yes, his delivery, was. his dancing style, in his clothing attire, much shit. like Billy Ocean. And then he gave birth to a piece of shit. Yeah, dumb bitch. <laughs> hey, Dan. <laughs> That sounded like a great queen. Your money entitles me. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with Paris Hilton. I'm going to shart on the world. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I've been recording this. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Episode 45. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Jake. And we're the Leftovers. All right. Hey, welcome back. We're back. We are back. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're recording this on a Friday, which is different. Yeah. But you're still going to get the episode on a Sunday or a Monday. That's right. So, doesn't really benefit you, the listener, at all. Yeah. We can manipulate time however we want, just like the X-Men movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brian Singer's not the only one that can do that. Nope. And I didn't even have to consult James Cameron about it. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, last week was X-Men Days of Future Past. I had a lot of fun recording that one. Good times. Yes, very much so. Um, I wanted to mention that after the end music, after our end music of this episode, there uh, I want everybody stick around if you want to. You can listen to some deleted audio from the cutting room floor from last week's episode uh, with myself, Jay, John Woods, and uh, Mr. Frank Hammer. It's the last time I play that this episode. <laughs> yeah, this is someone's first episode and see last episode. Exactly. Wow, there was an abundance of that. <laughs> and there's even more in the there's even more in the uh, deleted cutting room floor. It came shit. up quite a bit. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so you just lied. You said that was the last of it, but then we're gonna, they're going to hear it. Duh. Yeah. yeah, I did lie. I did lie. No, you know what? I can edit it out. Yeah, it won't have the same impact. 
keep it. Does it have any impact? <laughs> do people really? I did, I think it did. I think we had some listeners that actually enjoyed that fucking shit. I, I think it was a hit. It yeah. was a hit. I enjoyed it. It was yeah. in my head all week. I had people say, <laughs> I had people telling me like, dude, I love the the song. I don't care too much for Frank himself, but the song was fantastic. I'm kidding, Frank. He's listening, and I'm yeah. fucking kidding. Nobody said that. Yeah, we, we've got a call out for anyone with the name Hammer in their name. Yeah, <laughs> so we can use that cue. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. I, what is it? Jim the Anvil, Nightheart. No, oh. the, the Hammer. What, what are they? Greg the Hammer. Greg, Greg the, the Hammer, Hammer Valentine. Valentine. Yeah. Yeah. Poor yeah. Leglock. And write us some emails so we can drop drop the beat again. <laughs> yeah, I got my wrestlers totally confused there. Oh, that's easy. It happens, <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Uh, I wanted. Oh yeah, uh, Kevin Sparenberg. Uh, he tweeted me that he was at his local comic shop uh, to buy some dice for uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. And while he was there, he told some people in the shop to listen to our show. Nice, dude. And he got like two people to subscribe right there. <laughs> wow. He's like. He he reminds me of the Chulies representative at fucking, you know, the, what is it, the, what is it, the stop, what is it, what is it, fucking clerics, come clerks, on. Clerks, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, the quickie mart or whatever the fuck he works yes. at, I don't know. Yeah, that's how you go up a little bit in rank there in the left over army for that one, right? Well, I mean, that's the best form of advertisement, is to fucking have the listeners, like, you know, people have grab people's cell phones and make them download our show. <laughs> Grassroots campaign. It's called the Quick Stop. There yes. we go. Jesus Christ, I can't remember. There's so many Quick Stops. <laughs> you guys are looking at me like fucking deer in headlights. Yeah, like I, what? Chulies? What? I have, I have nobody. Like I have nobody helping me out. Is that a bubble gum? Like, right now, if I did a trust fall, I would hit the fucking ground. I grab you in a trust fall. There's like nobody there to lift me up. Like, yeah. nobody is the wind beneath my wings here. Yeah. No one. Oh, dude, sorry. Come on, seriously. If I'm falling, you got to pick me up. <laughs> You're right. Pick I got me nothing. up. Was that Jars of Clay? That Jars of Clay? No, that was Lift Me Up. I'm not helping you. Yeah, I can't help you. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> helping you. <laughs> Just like my Chulies reference. I'm not fucking helping you now. Yeah, we didn't deserve that one. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, this one goes out to you, Jay, and it comes from one of our listeners. He actually does his own podcast. It's Grub from the Awesome Movie Podcast. He sent me an email, and he said, finally listening to the Godzilla podcast, and I can't believe I forgot to tell you that there is a Willow sequel. It's a series of three books written by Chris Claremont. Mm-hmm. Yes, the X-Men Claremont. That I only ever read the first book called Shadow Moon. It's fucked up. It's like 15 years after the movie takes place and damn near everyone is dead. But Willow and the baby princess, who she's a total bitch and now like 16 or something in it. Hmm. Maybe someday I'll go back and read the other two books. So Interesting. There is a Willow. Yeah, you don't give a fuck. No, it sounds interesting. Whatever. <laughs> you didn't even like the first movie. Shut up, Jay. I don't even want to hear I- from you right now. <laughs> go, in, go in a corner. I'm putting you in, I'm, you're in timeout. Matt Bob again. No, no, see, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like, I will, like, I'll bring up Willow every week, and you'll be like, you'll be like, no, no, I'll give it another chance. Even now, even now, you're like, oh, that's interesting. And in your head, you're thinking, why don't you just say what's on your fucking mind? I don't hate Willow. Just, just be like, you know what, I don't, I didn't like the fucking movie. I don't want to fucking read a book about it. I kind of w- I would like to read a book about. It. I want to see what happens uh-huh. for sure. Yeah, no, none of that shit will be canon if they make more movies though. Just like Star Wars, they'll, right. they'll yeah. shit on all of it. That's Jay true. doesn't care if they shit on Willow. <laughs> he's, he's he thinks Willow's a piece of shit. It's not going to affect me one way or the other, but I'm I'm, I'm interested in what would happen after that. For sure. <laughs> I want to yeah, mad on mad on again. I, I, uh-huh. I got your back, Brian. I tell her where Willow. Thank you. All right, finally, somebody's on my side, other than Pete Neen. <laughs> 
Oh, John Woods is on my side too. Yeah, that's true. Wow. I'm kind of the only one that doesn't. I know. What's not to like about Willow? Mad again. (laughs) (laughs) What's not? What don't you like about Willow? Why the Willow hate? I I don't know. It just didn't. uh, I don't. I was into all that stuff, the sword and sorcery kind of thing. I think you, I think you have something against little people. I was getting ready to say the same thing. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. I think you do. You're tall. You're taller. I was. Well, I was young at the time. Yeah. So maybe it. Maybe I did. I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm not now. I don't have a problem with little. What people. you got? Something against the lollipop guild? <laughs> Those guys are annoying. The lollipop guild. They're kind of. <laughs> I know. Like the one, the, the one guy reminded me of like Mini Popeye. Yeah. Why was he so like? <laughs> it's like back away from those guys. <laughs> yeah, nothing against little people, no. But yeah. I don't know. Willow didn't hit me. All right. <laughs> okay. I don't know where to go after that. That's yeah. okay. Wow. I, I don't know how. To, I guess I don't know how to react to people that don't like Willow. <laughs> I thought everyone loved Willow. So did I. I thought it was cult classic. Everyone loved it. Yeah. Except for midget haters. <laughs> yeah. That's not the PC term. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm wow. Sorry. You're all about non-PC I'm, terms. Yeah, I'm terrible. What the fuck? I'm terrible. <laughs> I, okay, what do you call what do you call uh, a woman that works in in uh, in the plane? Uh, a woman that works in a plane and like serves you that like, gives you the peanuts and the drinks. A stewardess. And, no. She's a flight attendant. <laughs> you are the most non-PC motherfucker I've ever met. Hey, that's terrible. Wow. Wow, just offending Little people and, and flight attendants left and right on this episode of Pop Culture Leftovers should be ashamed. There goes half our For, listeners. I know. I know. For shame, Mr. Elliot. I apologize to everyone. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I also wanted to talk about, uh, we've got a listener and she does a podcast and I had the pleasure of listening to a couple of the episodes that she's been on. Uh, D.A. Cheney. She's awesome. She's really vocal on uh, Twitter. She's she's fantastic. She's like a cheerleader for the show. That wasn't PC, was it? She's a woman now. I'm calling her a cheerleader. Well, guys can be cheerleaders. Guys can be cheerleaders. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, don't ask me. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> a cheer gal. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean bouncy ladies? <laughs> They're quite chipper. Yeah, Jake. <laughs> the bouncy ladies. <laughs> Um, no, but she, uh, D.A. Cheney, she does a, uh, every week she, I think it's a weekly podcast, but it's called Shelf Life Podcast. And, uh, her and the uh, other host, they talk about different books that they've read. And the last, uh, book that they reviewed that I, the, the show I listened to, they did, uh, J.K. Rowling's The Cuckoo's Calling. And, uh, it's really cool. I, I don't get a chance to read a lot of books anymore. I used to have a job where I was like, I worked in a call center years ago and in between calls, I'd just sit there and read. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, it was fantastic. Sometimes there'd be like a, you know, five to 10 minute wait between calls. So I, dude, I finished like Lord of the Rings, bunch of Stephen King. Mm. Fantastic. I love that job. And, uh, yeah, good things don't last forever. No. But, uh, guys, I was knocking out like a book every other day. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. great. But, uh, yeah, she does this Shelf Life podcast and it's fantastic. She's really good. We need to have her on the show. Yeah. I think it'd be great. That would be great. I mean, she, uh, she loves the show and so having her on would be fantastic. So I'm putting the word out. Do you want to be on the show? Be on the show. Just send me an email. We'll get you on here. Yeah, your your stuff is always awesome when you post it. So I, I love it on Twitter and Facebook. So right. I, yeah, we'd love to talk to her. Yeah, sure. be awesome. All right, so all right, let's. You want to jump into this week's show? Jump on in. Jump on. And I'm, I'm going to apologize to a listener. Last week we recorded some shit. We answered a listener question from uh, Matt Acton. 
mm-hmm. and uh, it got cut out. So I sent Matt an email, a follow-up email, saying, hey, man, fuck, dude. If uh, you have another question you want to ask us, we'll answer it on another show. I, I feel weird about, like, answering a question again yeah. that we've already recorded, even though it got lost. It just yeah. doesn't seem genuine. It won't be sincere. Exactly, because we... It's it, hard to talk about when we already know what we're going to say. Yeah. So. so, yeah, send me another email. We'll answer any other question in the future. I don't care what it is. You can ask me anything. You can ask me, hey, how many testicles do you have? Yeah. I'll answer it. Right. People want to know that shit. Not really. Everybody's kind of worried. <laughs> like, how many testicles do I have? I've never read any of that, Jay. I don't know how many testicles any of you guys have, including myself. <laughs> what are people saying? What's the assumed amount of testicles? <laughs> that's, that's what I want to know. Who knows? Who knows the answer to that? Awkward. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was just saying it, and like we didn't really need to like. Oh yeah, delve yeah, into that. <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't mean to go off on that. Get the egg beater out. Let's get five minutes of testicle talk. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We're gonna do prostate exams next. Oh. <laughs> um. Every week we rate things on the show, and if you're new to the show, then you're not going to be familiar familiar with our rating system. So I'd like our British friend here to explain. I can't fucking talk today. That's okay, man. It's Friday. I'm not used to doing it this fucking yeah, night. Yeah, it's different. It's, it's definitely totally different. different. Whatever, fuck it. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. He's so chipper mm-hmm. about it. Every week when he comes in here. Doesn't matter what that it's is. Friday to him. Yeah. It's always Friday to that guy. Mm-hmm. I want him to say something different, though. We have him come in here every week. He sits down. He records that. He says that one fucking he thing. He reads it, too, yeah. which is kind of weird. Right. <laughs> Could you say anything else? He's just looking at us. Yeah, yeah. Could you say something else other than what you fucking say every week? You're in here. Give us an opinion on something. He's just staring at us. His mouth's moving, but nothing's coming out. That's <laughs> so weird. No, I want him to say something. Hold on. Come on, say something. The rating system is simple. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, That's we, all he's got. We got that. Yeah. I understand it's simple. Very clear. So are you, you simple-minded bastard. <laughs> all right. It's now time uh, for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's where we explain what we either watched or read in the previous weeks that we liked or didn't like. For more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. All right, I'm gonna throw it out there. I'm guessing that neither one of you had Good Pop, Bad Pop this week. Look at the look on Jay's face. He's already, yeah, it's already. I'm disappointed in myself. No, seriously, you had to, you know, you've had to like watch something or even something like something like five years ago. You've had to see something that you can just talk about. Just just pull it out of your ass. Yeah, well, I have been watching Eastbound and Down. There you go. Which I talked to you about earlier. Yeah. Um, Fucking loved it. I, I, you know, I loved Danny McBride, but I had no idea that, like, in a television show format, he would crack me up, like, episode after episode, and to have that much humor over that long period of time as that character, phenomenal. I just, yeah. you know, I, I was talking to you earlier, I don't think everybody understands that kind of humor. I know, like, a lot of people don't like the original Office, because they think that guy's a jackass, like a legitimate asshole. Right. It's just funny to me to see people act that way, because they know it's not real. And and this is the same way where it's just like 
scene after scene, joke after joke after joke in each and every episode. But isn't it weird? Like he he does come off like the biggest asshole, but at the same on the flip he's side, endearing. You, you're, he's endearing and you're rooting for him. And yeah, you want why? Him to succeed. I don't know. That's <laughs> why weird. is that? It's I think weird. You, I think you kind of feel sorry for him or right. something. <laughs> you're you're rooting for the crass underdog. Yeah. in that show, man. Yeah, and wow. he's like your everyday man. I meet people like that all the time that are just loud and and think that they're they're the shit, you know, and yeah. they're wearing like wife beaters and yeah, you just like dude <laughs> but i don't want to hang out with them but i'll watch them at a distance it's interesting always to watch them yeah there's people like that every day like i watch here here okay i'm in a minute i well, i watch here comes honey boo boo yeah but i would not spend like one afternoon with those with those people no no i watch it because it's almost like a documentary like oh my gosh this is like a part of like the country a demographic like i know nothing about and it's real. These people, this this actually happens. These people act this ridiculous. And yeah. it's, it's it's bizarre. It's totally bizarre. And it's totally, you know, not the way I am or people that I know. And just to, just to see a guy speaking his fucking mind, no matter how stupid or ignorant it comes off, it's still hilarious. Every would you time. say it's a smart comedy? <laughs> It would you would have to be smart to write that. I mean, it's not because, yeah. like I said, it's just so off the cuff and so quick. I'm sure he's just ad libbing half that shit. That I don't he, know. I don't know. Uh, it's just yeah. It's it's one of the funniest things where I was just I was by myself just laughing out loud and just yeah. So I, what are you rating it? That's a Tupperware. Yeah. Um, I'm on I'm on the first season still. I've seen some of the second season because I kind of started in between things, but. uh yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and it, you guys have been talking for about it for a while, and I finally got to it. It's fantastic. I love it. Oh, I'm not much of a fan. Watched the first season, didn't do much for me. You see, either get it, or you don't get Some it. Some people don't. Yeah. Like Some people it. don't get it. Yeah. And I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan either, and I heard he comes in season two. Oh, sure, sure. So, so well, I was like, hey. it's yeah. Well, he's an afterthought in that show. Yeah. It's it's the Danny McBride show, and it, I love that kind of comedy. I just love his kind of comedy. The Will Ferrell stuff is yeah. He owns a dealership, whatever. Will Ferrell's and he, he's funny, I guess. I mean, there's a few things. I, I honestly think like in every movie that he's done, I think Anchorman's probably like the pinnacle. That's like what he's done. Mm-hmm. Anchorman's probably his best movie. Everything else, I mean, I don't really. I don't know. I'm not falling over everything else. Step Brothers was okay, but he got outshined by John C. Riley, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It, it is just like I think it's just making fun of everyday life, and and you have to be keen like to to pick that stuff up, and you have to be witty. So it is stupid humor in a way, but it's not. It's like thought out, and uh, I, not many people could pull it off and make that funny the way right. he does, just taking everyday things and just exaggerating them. Well, speaking of Danny McBride, thank you for this nice, nice lead in. <clears throat> Danny McBride of Eastbound and Down is set to return to HBO in a new show called Vice Principals mm. and has been it's been greenlit for 18 episodes. So I don't know how that's going to break down as far as uh, seasons go, because Eastbound and Down is like anywhere from between like six to seven, eight episodes a season. Uh, the show was created by McBride and Jody Hill. They're the same team behind Eastbound and Down. Variety was given the details on the show. Vice principals will follow the story of a high school and the vice principals who almost run it. Danny McBride and Jody Hill have created a smart, rowdy, and unpredictable style of comedy that we can't get enough of, Michael Lombardo, HBO's programming president, said in a press release. The idea of them setting their minds on high school was irresistible. So he's coming back. He's going to be doing a new show. I like how they did it. They did three seasons. They thought they were done after three seasons of Eastbound and Down. They gave us a fourth season, which kind of like wrapped everything up. The ending was beautiful to that show. Absolutely awesome. And after four seasons, like I'm done. I'm going to do another. I'm going to do another series. Yeah. Go out while you're on top. Yeah. yeah. 
that's kind of the beautiful thing about HBO too. I mean, Larry David did the same thing. Like whenever he had an idea for a curb season, he did a curb season. Right. I mean, I remember uh, we waited like a year and a half between seasons. Now yeah. we've waited like almost three years for a season. They, they, it may or may not happen. It's yeah. Kinda, with with Jeff Garland doing Goldbergs, who knows when he's going to have time. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to see like if this is going to be the same kind of thing. I, I you know, uh, it's I know it's him and some of the same people that were involved on that show. And I don't know if it's going to be as the same kind of character. Vice principal, I don't think you can go wrong as far as the comedy department goes. We've all had our share of vice principals in our lives. And they have plenty of humor to go. Around. I think it's going to be great because in the fourth season of uh, Eastbound and Down, he interacts with kids. Yeah. And so, I mean, just seeing him working with high school kids is going to be fucking hilarious. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. The only better thing might be like a gym teacher or something. That yeah. You play, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that seems fitting. <laughs> um, I also wanted to talk about a show that I watched. Uh, it's it's like revisiting an old friend. It's it's on a network called Access TV. Uh, the show, it's called Access Presents Tom Green Live. Mm. And it's a talk show hosted by Tom Green. I think this started out as an online-only show, but it's now on Access TV. Uh, he does things a little differently on the show, but I really like it. It's it's really interactive with the home audience. Uh, he'll even have the have audience the audience Skype in and to ask questions to the guests that he has on the show, and it actually turns into some really funny moments. He had like somebody call in from Alabama, mm-hmm. and it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, he had a thing where he gave Sandra Bernhardt this gnome. And the gnome had instructions on it. It was like a gnome, and the gnome was pulling down his pants. And they wrote instructions on the ass of the gnome that whoever gets it, they need to take a picture of it and then tweet it to Tom. Uh-huh. So, you know, you've heard of, like, the traveling gnome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So uh, it was kind of cool. And he showed the pics of the gnome's travels on the show. And there were a couple uh, where one of the pictures, somebody made, like, a picture of, like, the missing of, of the gnome that, there was the gnome went missing for a couple of days and somebody like posted a picture of the gnome on a milk carton and then someone else posted a fake eBay page where they were selling it as a missing <laughs> the missing Tom Green live gnome and uh and then he had the whole cast of uh Comedy Central's Workaholics on the show on the last episode that I watched and I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a taste it. Uh if you're t- you know if you're tired of the Jimmy Kimmel's and Jimmy Fallon's and all that shit, it, this is something new. Tom is not himself though. It's it's really weird. I don't know if he's trying to like be serious, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't look comfortable he's the not, whole time. He's he, always kind of like that a bit, right? Well, I mean, you remember watching like the old Tom Green show yeah. on MTV, and he was just like all crazy and like doing all this whoa, like crazy stuff yeah. and like you know crawling on people and acting nuts. He does not do that. Okay, nothing like that. It's he's sitting there and it's almost like he's trying to be a talk show host, like. He's trying to shed that old Tom Green image. Yeah. But it comes off, like, really strange and awkward. Like, he's there, and, like, with the Workaholics guys, it felt like they were doing the show. Right. And he was just kind of there and, like, would say something every once in a while or ask him a question. It was really kind of weird to watch Tom like that. I wanted to see zany Tom, uh, Tom Green. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I mean, he's, like, doing stand-up now, too, I think, which is kind of out of his comfort zone as well. And, he, I mean, he said that that's why he was doing it was because it was something that made him uncomfortable, and he kind of wanted to conquer that. He, um, but it, it almost seems like lately, I, I know what you're saying, I've seen clips of that, and yeah. it almost seemed like he's, like, super sober or something. I don't know if he just stopped doing something that he was doing. 
and yeah. sobered up, and that's why he's kind of like trying to be professional or maybe like cross that mainstream line. I think like maybe he's let people get to him. Like, oh, you're not like you know in your twenties or thirties anymore. Yeah, you've got to act a certain way now. And you can't keep up that, you know, that classic Tom Green shtick that you had. Mm-hmm. You gotta act, you know, more professional or whatever. It's just, it's, it was really weird. Yeah. I love him. I do. I love him and I'm gonna watch the show, but it was just, I, I was expecting something completely different when I watched it. He's been off the radar forever. I mean, until hearing this, I didn't even know he was alive still, to be honest with you. He, he's done things here and there. Like, I don't know. He's done some, like, I don't know, like reality shows, maybe, I don't know if he wasn't, something like, you know, something like Dancing with the Stars, I don't know if it was that show, but I've seen him on something before, and he was like a judge or something like that, but I don't know. Yeah, I think he thinks he's still trying to find his niche, and that's why he's doing the stand-up shit, like, he's like stretching himself in all these different areas when, you know, he really should just be himself, he was one of those just off-the-wall quirky, you didn't know what to expect pre Tim and Eric kind of oh fuck yeah wackiness dude. that they still do to, with that show you know right so they haven't come out with anything in a while no they tried to do some weird serious shit too that I didn't really get yeah. into that was on Netflix um, can't remember the movie but you see this happen with a lot of comedians they've got like this one thing that they do and then they run their course and then they're done like Pauly Shore. I mean, he was huge. Yeah. yeah. You know, you had Son-in-Law, you had Encino Man, you had... A, he had a string of fucking hit movies. And then he gets to the... Uh, and then he gets his own series on, uh, like, NBC or one of the net, big networks that gets canceled after a few episodes, and you don't hear from these guys anymore. And now he's in Peoria every other week and <laughs> yeah. <everything> else. <laughs> what was the uh, Encino Man? Was it the Don't Wheeze the Juice? Yeah. Don't... <laughs> The wheeze, though. The same happened to Jim Carrey, though, too. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, I'm not going to put Jim Carrey in. Jim Carrey's still... I'm not going to put him in that. I'm not. I I think he can still be an A-lister. I don't think think we're ever going to see a huge comeback from Pauly Shore. Yeah, I guess Kick-Ass 2 kind of showed us a really cool... Yeah, Kick-Ass 2 didn't even... I don't think... It was cool, but I don't think it elevated him. I think... I think... He's more than a one-trick pony. I do. I think that. And Polly Shore is definitely a one-trick yeah. pony. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to try to lump Jim Carrey in there, but you're right. Jim Carrey hasn't done much lately. But we'll see if they're Dumb and Dumber too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just these. I'm off, it's just for that. I, I just think it's these these off the wall guys that come out and really blow people's mind. You know, playing this zany, just kind of out there character, and then they get you know they get kind of stuck in that, and then they don't know what to do. Besides just kind of do that. And I think we've seen that acting, comedy, TV, whoever it is, like just these people are outside the box. And it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like it has to be a short thing. You know, they burn out real quick. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they do all this stuff and yeah. then it's done. And then what, what comes next? I know. Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, look at the jackass guys. Same. Make your money while you can. Cause like, you know, Steve O, he's not doing much now. He's doing stand up and shit. But. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at Johnny Knoxville. I mean, he's he's still got work. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, you got to keep. I don't know. It's hard for these guys. They are kind of like one trick ponies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a tough career. I would assume to continue to do something like that. So I guess I would. I, I do understand why you'd want to try something different. Maybe change your ways or yeah. come off as too serious. I don't know. Yeah. But Tom Green, man, he he was always funny. He doesn't need to do that. Yeah. 
All right, all right, let's take a break here real quick. Break it. Fucking old school. Damn. These beats are so fresh. Snap. Hey, we're back. All right. We had to take a little bit of break there. I just wasn't feeling the energy from you guys. Sorry. I had to give you guys a little pep talk. Yeah. Yeah, we did some jumping jacks. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I need I need more. Ha! 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 Is that I, enough? Yeah, that's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just... I need more from you guys. Okay. I need like six Red Bulls. Yeah, six or seven. <laughs> But we have we have some listeners that need to be entertained. Yes, they do. They need it. Let's do it. <sighs> All right. All right, Jake. What do you got for good pop, bad pop? Um, I wanted to bring up the uh, Reading Rainbow Kickstarter. Um, you guys remember the Reading Rainbow show? Yeah, of course. <laughs> back on PBS, was it after Sesame Street or whatever back in the day? Right. Hey, let's sing the song. Okay. I think maybe that's what we need because we have. I haven't had the energy from you, Jay. Right. <laughs> Okay. I was look. I was looking at you. You know, your your shoulders are slumped. That's and how I always. I know, but I, I want. I want. You know, come on, bring it. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. One, two, three. Butterflies in the sky. I can fly twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. I can't do. Anything, friends to know and ways to grow. A reading rainbow. Rainbow. Oh, nice. <laughs> right. I can always imagine like the kid who's illiterate watching that show, crying. Yeah. You know? What am I missing? <laughs> What's a library? But don't take my word for it. Yeah. And that kid's like, I got to because I can't fucking read this. Bitch. Some people had no choice. <laughs> no, but, yeah, it started in 1983. It went off the air in 2006, and they launched it a Kickstarter campaign, and they were able to get uh, over a million dollars in 24 hours. Wow. <laughs> That's insane. I heard, Jake, I heard about this, like they had started the Kickstarter, and then you text me, and you said they had made a million dollars in one day. As of nine hours ago, it's $1.6 million to date. <laughs> wow. Take that, Veronica Mars Kickstarter. Yeah, How many sure. days they got left on that bitch? Oh, Jesus. 35, 35 days left. It was 35 days was how long it was. So, like, still, like, 32 days. 30. Holy shit. What was their goal? I mean... Uh, uh, their goal was a million. Oh, it was. Yeah, Just one day. I mean, God, this this show's gonna have better special effects than Game of Thrones. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he will be playing. <laughs> is, is it gonna be? How are they gonna release this? Is it like a web series? I I don't know how it's gonna be released. At this point, I assume a network may get it or something. No details have really been like listed for that so far. You know. Wow. But, you know, public access, sell it to those channels or, like, on the, the PBS or whatever. What are some of, like, the like the stretch goals and shit? Like, do they have stretch goals? Like, or, or, and what are the things that you can earn, like, if you back them? Hold on. I believe I have. I'm going right to that right now. Are oh, they wow. at 2 million now? They're almost at 3 million. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> 32 days to go. <laughs> wow. Holy cow. All right. So, for... For five dollars, oh god damn it! 
This is great podcasting. <laughs> for for five dollars, you get Lavar's gratitude. Mm. Yeah, I've always wanted his approval and his gratitude. Of course, yeah. of course. I I always think to myself, you know, what would Lavar do? Would you w- be okay with what I'm doing? Yeah, no, probably yeah. not. For WWLD. Ten- what would Lavar do? <laughs> for ten dollars, you get the gratitude and a tweet from the official Reading Rainbow Twitter account. Okay, and some digital wallpapers. Twenty five dollars, you get access to the app, plus everything else. Go to the big ones. Go to the yeah, bad let's boys. See, let's see. Yeah. Uh, is Lavar coming to my house at some point if I do this? I want Jordy, I want him to show up as Jordy LaForge. Basically, you get full access. And read me a book as Jordy LaForge. Yeah. Like, sit down and fucking read me a book. Tell me how that technology works. Right. I want to have him read me, like, one of those, like, uh, I don't know, uh, 40-year-old housewife fucking love uh, romance stories. Yeah, right, here we go. With, with his shirt off. <laughs> As Jordy LaForge. Right, with the visor. Right, with the visor. Can you still see with your shirt on? Right. <laughs> you can get a group picnic with LaVar. Oh, fuck yeah. For $2,500. That's a what group I picnic with him? Why? At 3000 it becomes a private dinner. Ooh, okay. Wow. Okay. Well, for for five... $5,000, you get a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> While he sings the things. <laughs> Well, for $10,000, you get a school assembly with LeVar. Ooh. Wow, for $10,000, you get a Star Trek visor from Are LeVar. you fucking me? That's what I'm talking That's about. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Two personalized signed headshots from LeVar. <laughs> that that kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier. Headshot. <laughs> Headshot, boom! <laughs> uh, All right. In addition to the happy ending... <laughs> But wow, yeah, lots of lots of crazy stuff going on there. But can you believe they've raised so much money in such little time for Reading Rainbow? That's crazy, dude. Uh, well, I mean, it makes sense. Like, all the people that watch that show are all grown up now. And uh, I don't know. We, I, I wasn't reading hardly anything when that show was on, but I was always watching that show. Me too. I don't know why. I was, was like, wow, these kids read. Yeah. That's amazing. That is cool. But don't take their word for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I will. I'll go get that, and I never went and got it. Right. <laughs> I promise you, Lavar. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be on. It's going to be through the app. It looks like. Okay. When they reach five million dollars, their goal is to have it on every mobile phone, Android consoles, OTT boxes, whatever that is. Oh, I have um, no idea. And free access for seven seventy five hundred classrooms. That's cool. Yeah. So, so I want that on my phone. Yeah. Get the app. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, it was cool when we were kids, but I can't seriously sit around. I don't think I could watch like a new Reading Rainbow. It depends on what kind of books they talk about. If it's youth adult books that kids are reading these days, then yeah. that's a lot of good stuff to be. No, I think it's good for like parents to like get involved in this so their kids can experience what we had when we were kids. Yeah, you know, even though I didn't read any of the goddamn books. Yeah, you know, <laughs> at least you got you thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, books. <laughs> <laughs> There were good youth adult books on the show back in the day that they spotlight. It was, it was all ages stuff, you know, like yeah. Ronald, Ronald Dahl stuff, and the, I remember the C.S. Lewis stuff was on there, right? So, eh, you know, you know, I know. I'm not saying no. I lo- I didn't really get into books until I got older. Yeah, that's that's me. Late twenties, right? <laughs> I guess I was too busy playing video games and shit. Yeah, video um, games and comic books. Yeah. <laughs> all right, and porn. And, oh, definitely. <laughs> Lots of porn. Definitely. I was digging through dumpsters. I was going... I'll I, get to that book. Yeah. 
I was taking him out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> if just a few pages, I could just spread them out. Yeah. Just, yeah, your own little private Idaho. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk about a movie that I watched um, last week. Uh, it's called... I don't know why. I don't... I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, and I don't give a shit. It's called the <laughs> It's called the Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yes, I have. Seen have it. you seen it? I want to see it, but I've okay. Not. It's uh, directed by Stephen Chabotsky, and uh, it stars Logan Lerman, Emma Watson. Of course, we we all know her from Harry Potter and Ezra Miller. Uh, it's a high school. It, the, the movie is it's a high school drama, and it's about a, a high school introvert who is befriended by two high school seniors. He's a freshman. He meets. He has no friends meets these two high school seniors. It's a movie that you really have to watch to understand. Uh, there's a lot of things I can relate to in this movie as well as some of the characters that you meet in this movie. They kind of reminded me of some of the friends that I have made over the years. Mm-hmm. It, it deals with a ton of issues that high school kids deal with today. The story and acting is absolutely fantastic. And I'm now a huge fan of this young actor, Ezra Miller. He plays the character of Patrick. Um, Patrick has to deal with being a young gay teen in high school dominated by jocks. That's not the part I relate to, guys. Right. (laughs) Um, But I identified most with Logan Lerman, who plays Charlie. Um, This movie is is about not letting your past affect your future. It's about friendship, relationships, and living in the moment and not letting life pass you by. Yeah. I learned not only from this movie, but also in life, that some of the most interesting people on the planet are viewed as people that are on the sidelines. Um, Everyone has a story. You don't have to be good-looking or a jock or popular to be interesting. In fact, in most cases, their story and uniqueness pales in comparison to the people that are overlooked. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I give it a Tupperware rating. It's absolutely fantastic. It's a great movie. And I, it's, it's, I'm not trying to compare it to like the movies we watched when we were younger, like Breakfast Club. But, but it is. It's almost like an updated version yeah. of that for like the kids growing up now. So it's kind of like their version of Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that uh, I think I saw the movie before I read the book, and uh, I wish I wish I had read the book in my teens and understood right. what the hell was going on a little more. Yeah, and why why I gravitated towards certain people and why I had a disdain disdain towards certain people, you know, like the jocks and stuff. And right. Why, why we were so different and. Uh, all those clicks in school and also just, you know, being somebody who is an introvert and understanding why that is and, you know, why that's not necessarily a bad thing Yeah, and to kind of embrace that. And that's kind of what it talks about too. But yeah. I was, I was really impressed with the movies and then I read the book later and the books of course better, but the movie impressed me enough to go get the book. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great movie. And, uh, I, I'm distracted. Is the table shaking? Is there some kind of, it's probably just the, it's probably just the air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's probably just R2 over there. I didn't notice it until you said it. And now, <laughs> now you can't get it out of your no, head. I can't I was like, stop. Did someone just turn their vibrator on the table? I, I'm sorry. I, no, it's okay. It's all right. We're just doing a podcast, Jake. <laughs> I, I thought the place was going to blow, man. I got worried. I was trying to save lives. <laughs> no, we're fine. We're, we're This is sturdy. It's a stable house. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm sweating a little bit, though. Are you? Yeah. Mm, you turn the air on a little nah, bit. we're fine. <laughs> all right. Let's see. You guys want to move into... what? Let's, okay. Before we move into news, I want to read an email. Okay. All right. And it comes from uh, Ryan Drost. He does the Star Joe's podcast. 
and uh, he's basically responding to our Star Wars talk. Yeah. So we're going to talk Star Wars, and then we're going to jump into Star Wars news this week. Okay, sounds good. All right, okay. Let's hear him out. Let's, let's hear what he has to say. We can talk about it as we go. Okay. All right. Ryan Dross says, hey, guys. First off, I love the show. I have been listening since the beginning, but it wasn't until the Star Wars casting episode that I felt the need to email you all. See, that's the thing. Like, everybody's like, everybody listens to the show, and then they get to the point where they, they, we say something that either they don't agree with <laughs> or pisses them off. And then they. <laughs> that's enough. But that's not Ryan. <laughs> Ryan's not pissed off at the show. But he felt the need to email us, which I, I thought it's a great email. I, I want to read it. He says, Much like you guys, I am excited about the casting just because it is a bunch of unknowns. We don't know what to expect, and that has me excited about what we might see. Personally, I would love to see Luke survive all of the sequel movies as head of a Jedi Academy. I mean, what else does Hamill have to do other than his awesome voice acting that he could do from anywhere? But I did love the idea that was mentioned about Luke and Han dying together. That was that was me. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't like everything I say, though. Trust me. We'll get, we'll, we'll get into this. <laughs> and take credit while you can. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he says, uh, I did, but I did love the idea that was mentioned about Luke and Han dying together. Together again, how are we doing? Same as always. That bad, huh? <laughs> First of all, Brian, you don't know who Max von Sydow is, and you do a movie review podcast? <laughs> Ming the Merciless, Vigo the Carpathian, Father Marin, the guy has been acting in amazing movies for longer than your parents had dirty thoughts about creating you. He's not just a character actor. This man is an actor through and through. And the best part is that he'll be able to play off of the veteran actors very easily because he is one himself. Okay. In my defense, maybe I didn't know the actor by name, but I do know his face. But at the very least, I know that he wasn't Vigo the Carpathian. No. Unless Max von Sydow goes by Wilhelm von Homburg in some circles in Hollywood. So yeah. just going to throw that out there. <laughs> so, I was a little bit younger. So, <laughs> different yeah. actor. I flinched when you said Vigo, too. I was like, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's not Max it, von Sydow. No, it wasn't. And in my opinion, he is a character actor. I mean, if... If you say Max Van Sydow in most circles and, and throw out the name Brad Pitt, the the per, everybody's going to know who it, it, Brad Pitt's a household name. Yeah, yeah. Max Van Sydow's not a household name. Right. So in my opinion, he is a character actor, and I'm going to stand by that. I mean, he may be in things that you watch all the time, but to like your general, just your basic person, he is a character yeah. actor. They'll remember his face. They cannot tell you his name. Yeah. Am I wrong? No. He, like he's like a Gary Oldman in that way, just a chameleon kind of. Right. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know I didn't know who he was till I saw the IMDb and then I was like I know who that guy is. Sure. But when they said his name I was like who the fuck's that guy? Right. No right. offense to him, but I just didn't know yeah. his name. But he's not Vigo the Carpathian. No. So, take that, Ryan. <laughs> no. Brian knows I'm just giving him shit. He gave me shit in this. And he says, And Brian, I know you love Michael Arndt, but you realize he just did the screenplay for Toy Story 3, which I agree was a great movie, but I agree with Jake that 2 was better. All right. Toy Story 2 love. Insane. Did I just agree with Jake? What is wrong with me? (laughs) Yeah, there you go, buddy. The story for Toy Story 3 was done by John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, and Lee Unkrick. So at best, he adapted their story to work for a movie screen. It's not like he came up with the concepts and creativity for the film. I'm not trying to diminish him. He's had some good stuff, but most was done with the other writers involved. Yes, Lawrence Kasdan has not done much recently, and that could be a concern. 
But look at what he has done. The Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Big Chill, Silverado, Grand Canyon. I mean, you're looking at movies, uh, The Bodyguard and Wider. These are all movies from like 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. I, I get it. All big recognized films. I trust them to be able to take what aren't started and make it amazing. All right. Let me get this straight first off, okay? Yeah, he made some great movies in the past. The thing that does have me excited is he's going to be working with characters that he knows. Yeah. Okay? That's cool. I like that. I think Michael Arndt's up and coming. I really do. But I think the story that Michael Arndt is the story that I didn't want. I wanted a story where we're going to connect with the old characters first. And then everything's going to, they're going to pass the torch to the newer guys. I think Michael Arndt was going to kill him off from the get-go. Yeah. And that's not what I wanted. Okay? So I agree there. Right now in, in, in Hollywood, I do think Michael Arndt is a hotter name up and coming than Lawrence Kasdan. I think Lawrence Kasdan's kind of like, he's peaked in my opinion. Yeah. He has. So, but I think the collaboration between Lawrence Kasdan and J.J. Abrams could bring something really special. And Lawrence Kasdan knows the characters better. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I, I, I you, know, you know, I agree with that. Okay. I think I think it's going to be a darker story than most people are anticipating. And like you said, I think maybe his intention was like, let's just kill him off. Right. And they're like, no, we want to extend that story a little bit further. I think it's still going to be dark, but not as dark. You think the first movie is going to be dark? I think so. Yeah. I think they're going to go down that road. And- See, we talked about this earlier, man. I don't want that. For- I want the first movie to be a fun adventure. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I want it to be a fun adventure. I don't want to. I, I want it to mirror like the original trilogy where like. The first one's a fun adventure, and then the second one's where it really starts to get dark. I I don't know if I can handle dark in that first movie, man. I think it will be dark in the first movie. I think it'll kind of be... Eh. The title, if, it, if, if that's the title, it suggests it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it'll, you know, I think in some ways it'll try to be the opposite of everything that episode one was, and yeah. I feel like that's, they're going to, as, as much fun as that movie was, they, you know, they want to not make it as like that. They want to make it as serious and hardcore as possible, I think. Are you excited for that? Mm, I don't know. I want Star Wars to be fun. I so like Star I. Wars to be fun. Me too. I mean, I'm an episode one apologist. I mean, I I love it. I, I have no problem with the prequels. For me, it's the excitement. I mean, if they can bring the excitement of like A New Hope in, in a way that's, you know, different, that's not expected. And I think that's what I'm, I'm not going to imply that the whole thing's going to just be a bummer. I think... I think it's going to be fun, but I think there's going to be some stuff that we weren't expecting to be as dark as they were. Right. So I think that fun and excitement is still going to be there, but I think they're going to take it down a road we're not really ready for yet. And I think that's kind of exciting in itself. I hope it's more fun and exciting than this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're having fun. I'm, we're just, having fun I'm messing with you. All right. We're having fun now. <laughs> I'll take some, your... Someone else is getting grouchy, too, over there, I think. Me? Right? Yeah. Me? Yeah. I'm not grouchy. <laughs> yeah, but it, I I don't know. Like just just the stuff that in my mind, what I want to see, um, I I want to see the interplay of these of the old characters with the new characters. I think that's going to be the fun and, and exciting part. But I want to see also this new threatening element make its appearance early and then explore that further and not make that an afterthought like with Darth Maul and stuff like that. I want it to be a serious like new introduction to something. You know, the ancient fear, whatever that is. Right. Uh, it, it need, I think it needs to make its presence known immediately, and you'll see some shit happen to these people that were kind of having this fun, exciting time out in space, and then all of a sudden this new threat happens. Real quick, before I go on with this email, before I forget, you know, like, okay, we talked in the past, and you're like, if anybody's kid is going to turn to the dark side, it's uh, Han and Leia's. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, let me make this point. Let me try to make this point. And you said it's not going to be Luke's. Right. Let me try to make this point in ways that we can kind of understand. Okay. And I don't want to say this in, in a way where people take it wrong. But think about it this way. Um, kids that come from families that are, uh, that uh, I don't know, like a royal family or even like a family from like a religious background, like a pastor or like a priest or something like that. Not a priest. That's a horrible. I'm thinking about pastor. A like, minister. A minister. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, families that, that, that are like children that are raised under like, you know, like royalty or even like the president and, and uh, things like that. They sometimes are a little bit more wild because they got a lot to live up to. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And look at like actors, their kids, you know, some of their kids go crazy. Okay. I mean, don't you think like if Luke did have a son or a daughter, like the whole time they've been hearing like, oh man, you know, wow, you're dad. Yeah. Look at Commissioner Gordon's kid. Look at Batman's kid. Look at at what your dad did. He (laughs) saved the entire galaxy. Yeah. Man, you got, you come from. You know, really, let me tell you about his dad. Yeah, <laughs> come from really good stock and whatever. Like he saved the he saved the universe and blah 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 blah. They got a lot of pressure on them. It's true. So I'm just throwing that out there. That's true. You know what? Um, you know what I expect from Abrams in these new Star Wars movies is is smart Star Wars movies like the original, like Episode Four. I mean, the whole reason they started Episode Four in the first place was to have all that <laughs> mythology that you didn't even know. You know, and just to show you fun, show you action set pieces, you know, mm-hmm. give you on a big ride. And it was fun to think about the mythology. It was almost on purpose, not all spelled out for you. Right. And I kind of hope we get we get back to that kind of storytelling. Yeah. Like, I want to see just an all-out 15-minute amazing action sequence yeah. right away in Episode 7. I don't want to see a bunch of blah, 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 what's going on with this person, blah, blah, blah. You know, I... I, it just needs to come out as guns blazing, in my opinion, and that's the Star Wars style. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. Unexpected, and, you know, like I said, ancient fear. What's the ancient fear? What, you know, I think everybody, if you're going to call it that, what the hell is the threat? So bring that threat in immediately at some point. Yeah. Set things up, but then bring that threat in. Like, this is a new threat. You guys weren't expecting it. No one really knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Here it is. That's exciting in itself. To where you're thinking, is it the Sith? Like, are they going to play that same old card trick again? Well, I don't. I don't think they will. I don't think Abrams is going to do that. And that's exactly how Episode Four plays out. I mean, the first thing you see is the Star Destroyer and Vader showing up, right? You know, right away. Here's the big bad, right? You know. So I just hope it's exciting and fun and doesn't spend a lot of time trying to explain so much more as it just moves along. And, yeah. You know, we don't need it. We know Star yeah. Wars. Everybody knows Star Wars at yeah. this point. So, yeah, there'll be introductions, but for the most part, bring in the action, the fun, and excitement. And let's forget, like, let's not bring in the science of Star Wars. Let's forget about midichlorians. Don't explain everything yeah. to everybody. We don't yeah. need the science. That's why I think we all did, like, we went out and bought the books that explained what was going on in the movies right. when we saw the originals. And we played the role-playing games and all that shit and looked up all that. That's why we got into the expanded universe in the first place. I remember how exciting it was just to read the backs of characters' action figure cards. Yeah. And learn about the stuff that way. Right. Yeah. That's so. the fun part of it is finding it out for yourself. 
Yeah. What about the little picture that was released with the little uh, the creature that they created? Interesting. Oh, that's a great creature yeah. design. I know. I love it. Yeah. I want to know more about that little guy. Yeah, and he exactly. could just be he could he could just be like a little character that doesn't even do anything in the how movie. Detailed, we don't even know how yeah. detailed was that. I, I mean, insane. Like on his back, he has little little birds in his like mm-hmm. cage, and he kind of looks like them. It's weird, but it was smart. It was yeah. smart for that to be like the first picture that was kind of released yeah. because you're showing that they're gonna, that they are going to have some practical effects. Uh, yeah, I was getting ready to say the same thing. It's nice to see some actual real puppetry going on. That's yeah. a new hope in itself. And it's yeah. not <laughs> Jim Henson uh the creature shop is not involved at all. Oh, wow. It totally looked like a Henson It does. creation. It was it was awesome. And it did, it was on there for like a couple seconds, but like I said the detail in that. Like I was just exploring. I know. I know. Just like all the all the crazy Star Wars characters from the first films, you saw them in the background, but you're just analyzing, like, what is that guy? <laughs> I know. What is he wearing? Right. You know, everything. Well, I mean, think about, like, the limited uh, screen time Greedo got and what a huge character he is in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, even the other guys, like the Hammerhead guy who gets Hammerhead. less yeah. screen time than Greedo. Absolutely. Stop talking about that guy. Right. <laughs> Was he a pilot? What the hell was he? (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's continue with Ryan's email. Here we go. I believe it was Jay that mentioned that the Skywalkers never brought balance to the Force. It was more Obi-Wan who did that. Let me clear this up a bit. So many times people equate bringing balance to the Force as making everything peaceful and calm. Even the Jedi Council had this misconception. But what is balance? It's an equal weight from both sides. So good and evil, light and dark. For several years in the galaxy, there was an imbalance. There were several Jedi who kept peace throughout the galaxy. So order without chaos, not much balance there. Hmm. Now comes Anakin Skywalker. He starts down the light path, but turns dark. He wipes out all of the Jedi except for just two. Yes, taking in the EU, which doesn't count anymore. There were some stragglers, but we're looking at just movie canon. So now, there were two Sith in the Emperor and Vader, and two Jedi in Obi-Wan and Yoda. This brought balance to the Force and made the prophecy come true. Then we have two Jedi in hiding, and the dark side reigns over the galaxy. Time to bring that balance again. Luke develops his talents, and Obi-Wan dies. Still, two Jedi with Yoda and Luke. Then in return, Yoda dies, and Vader and the Emperor are ahead of the game. Mm Mm-hmm. Luke is the catalyst for their demise. Now we just have Luke and possible Leia later to learn the light side. So my guess is that Luke and Leia are strong in the Force by the time of Episode 7. There is no balance again, Mm. and maybe we get another Skywalker that turns to the dark side. Maybe Luke himself. It happened in the EU, which you've brought up, Jay. The Dark Empire stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. To bring that balance once again. Just my thought, but it was the Skywalkers who brought balance multiple times. Jeez. He's dead on the money. Yeah. I can't dispute that whatsoever. There's so many different... Star Wars is like one of those things where you watch it and you... Just like a book sometimes. You can watch it or you can read a book and each time you get something new and different from it. And everybody gets something new and different from it. Yeah, I mean, in all the years since I've seen it originally, I'm still questioning what Lucas was actually trying to say. Right. And, you know, this this whole conversation in general about what is the balance to the Force, you know, does evil ever die? I think he's making the same point, basically. is like, no, they coexist. 
but he's also saying that there was balance. The Skywalker's balance. And I balance. kind of agree with that. Mathematically, it totally makes sense what yeah. he's saying. Uh, lastly, Tatooine doesn't matter, question mark. <laughs> Why should we give a fuck about Tatooine? I think, honestly, I think when we say that, we're talking about the characters in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Like, that's how they feel about Tatooine. Right. Um, he says, why should we give a fuck about Tatooine? Are you kidding me? This was the final straw that made me write in. <laughs> the whole point of Tatooine is that it's just this outer rim planet that shouldn't matter in the grand scheme of the galaxy events. But it is actually the source for just about every major event in the Star Wars galaxy. Mm-hmm. It's the irony of the planet that makes it such a crucial place in the mythos. I think we've all agreed about that. I said, I've even said that I think like if there is another Sith, that the Sith is going to rise from Tatooine. Right. I think, though, in the Star Wars universe, like, Tatooine is viewed as, like, a, the shithole planet. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's definitely. the armpit of the universe. For sure. So, But story-wise, it is kind of like Earth, the center, well, what people believe, the center of the universe being Earth, you know. Right. Same thing. It's yeah. kind of the center of everything. He says, I am looking forward to more news about the movies. I'm excited about what new planets and creatures will be created. For a Star Wars geek like me, this is the ultimate high I could ever hope to have. I will be there opening night so I can see it at some midnight showing, and then we'll probably take the day off from work the next day to see it a couple more times. I love the balance of order and chaos, light and dark you guys bring to your show. If you guys ever want to get together to do a joint episode sometime, let me know. Until then, may the Force be with you. Always, Ryan. And also with you, Ryan. Yeah. (laughs) That was beautiful. Well put. Well put. Great points. Yeah, we should do a joint episode. We should do a joint episode because there's so much to talk about still. It's never ending. Yeah. That's why Star Wars is fantastic. All right. You guys want to talk some Star Wars, some actual Star Wars 7, Episode 7 news? Of course. Sure. All right. Actor John Boyega, he has been using his Instagram and posting pics of the desert while filming in Abu Dhabi, which everyone is speculating is tattooing in the film. Yeah. Daisy Ridley can be seen in those pics as well. So people are speculating that those two are linked somehow early on in the film. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that scene that we talked about a few weeks ago where uh, it looks like they're they might they're going to be in Tatooine and there looks like there might be kind of like a, um, I don't know, like a, uh, where they're in the uh, speeders. Yeah. And they're, uh, you know, going around through the, through the town, whatever mm-hmm. that could be involving those two people, could be like imagine. a could be like a chase scene. Yeah, yeah, I, I would imagine so through I, the market. Yeah, and I, what a great place to start it off. If if they do start it off in that scene in that area, I think it'd be great. Right, Tatooine for sure. Now, Bleeding Cool got some more uh, that some of the Star Wars crew has been spotted filming in Iceland. Hmm, that's interesting. So. People are, of course, speculating that Star Wars Episode Seven will take us back to Hoth. Wow, that'd be interesting. But those scenes in Empire Strikes Back were filmed in Norway. Okay. But if the Tatooine rumors are true, then that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. because Tatooine was originally shot in Tunisia, and now they are rumored to be shooting at Tatooine in Abu Dhabi. Right. So they might, in fact, be taking us back to Hoth. Do you think they're going to explore, like... Going back into these characters' past somehow, like they have to something involving like they they're going back to these planets because something is hunting for 
what happened in the past. I, I don't know how to explain it necessarily, but it seems to me like there's a reason they're going back to these places, not just because they were important. See, I've got a less deep theory. Like, you've always got these deep theories, and mine is just like... Really? What's I mean, why do you think they might be going back? Okay, let me talk about the rumor here. The, this rumor, to kind of give it a little bit of credence, the rumor started when comic book writer Gordon Rennie, who writes for 2000 AD and Warhammer, was having a Facebook chat with someone on the second unit team filming in Iceland. And he told Rennie that the scenes will feature Chewbacca and, quote, old school stormtroopers. Okay. Okay. First off, I just want to mention that they would be called snowtroopers. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, difference. Secondly, <laughs> these are just rumors. Yeah. But lastly, what if they are true? Okay, this is my thought. Okay. I think that maybe there were some storm uh, stormtroopers slash snowtroopers from back in the day hiding out on Hoth. Ah. And Chewbacca is now a bounty hunter mm. and has been bringing them in for rewards. That makes sense. I swear, if this is true, you're going to see so many memes of Chewbacca that say, Dog the Bounty Hunter, that it will not even be funny. <laughs> you got that ice? <laughs> you need to make that meme tonight. You know, I, you know what? Yeah, it started here. So if that shit happens, if this is fucking true, I started it. It's almost, it, it, that could be another part of it. Does the Rebel Alliance almost become the Empire to that extent where they're hunting down all the remnants of the Empire and trying to wipe it out on places like Hoth and Tatooine? Right. Yeah, see, that's what I've always thought's going to happen. Maybe Luke does kind of lose his hinges and be like, we've got to destroy all these people. You know, maybe he does. Maybe yeah. he does go off the rails. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think the good guys are going to become the bad guys again. That'd that be the, great. The I Rebel think. Alliance will become the greater evil. That would that would make sense in the whole balance theory. Exactly. You can't have one yeah. without the yeah. other. Yeah, I mean, I think that would blow audiences' mind to see Luke turn to the dark side. Yeah. I mean, it happened before. That's what happened to the old Republic. It, it's what turned into the Empire. Right. And it can easily, it's the new Republic. It can easily turn into something even worse than what the Empire was. Crap. But how fun would it be, <laughs> how fun would it be to see a scene where Chewbacca is just like, you know, chasing down sto- uh, snowtroopers? I think we've always wanted to see him more in action, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think we've ever gotten a really good shot of him in just badass mode. It'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Super fun. And finally, I did want to talk about this. It looks like the first of the Star Wars solo films will be directed by Godzilla director Gareth Edwards. The script is being written by Gary Whitta, and the movie will be released December 16th, 2016. This was confirmed on StarWars.com. Uh, writer Gary Whitta is best known for the Book of Eli, mm-hmm. After Earth, and The Walking Dead, the video game. All right. Um, I like Book of Eli. I did. Yeah. I know it's a lot of people are split on Book of Eli, but I did like it. I enjoyed it, for sure. Is that the uh, Telltale Games, Walking Dead game? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I heard a lot of great stuff Got about a bunch that. of awards and everything, yeah. After Earth, it, it, if... <laughs> Concepts were great in that movie. Yeah. I, I just don't think the execution and the actors and the casting was good. I can agree with that. It was a they failed the landing. When he went to ghost, like the whole ghost mode or whatever, that when he went ghosting, yeah. that whole concept's cool. That's like you know cool science fiction, but it, they just didn't execute with Jaden Smith and yeah. even Will Smith was just kind of like phoned it in. I agree. So yeah. 
Yeah, I, I enjoyed the aspects of it like that, the science fiction side yeah. of it I liked. Like, yeah. Great ideas, but poorly executed. Yeah. What do you guys think? What movie do you think that uh, Gareth Edwards is going to do with uh, Gary Whitta? Yeah, it's hard to say, right? It's, I don't think it's the. it will not be the Han Solo movie with that team. We can narrow that out. It's got to be something fantastical for them to be like, let's get the Godzilla director. I mean, what what kind of larger-than-life story involving set pieces or whatnot mm-hmm. are they going to use him for? What, what do they see in what he's done before? Right. And I don't. I, I agree with you, and I don't think it would... I, I don't necessarily know if it would be Boba Fett, but yeah. Boba Fett could also... I'm thinking it's Boba Fett. He could get into those crazy situations. Let me get into why I think it is Boba Fett, if you don't mind. I mean... I, I personally think it's both a bet because it, when we watched the Godzilla movie, he really only focused on one character at a time. When we, at the beginning of the movie, they focused mainly on um, uh, Brian Cranston's character. Right. Once he was out of the movie, then it was Aaron Taylor Johnson's movie. Yeah. And we really didn't get to see a lot of the other characters. They really didn't interact so much. So it was like, here we got Brian Cranston. Now we've got strictly Aaron Taylor Johnson. We saw everything from his POV. Right. Right? Right. I think Gareth Edwards is really good when it comes to concentrating on one character only. Okay. So I think a Boba Fett movie makes sense for him. He'd have one character to really focus on. Everybody else is kind of going to be off on the sidelines and just, you know what I mean? Right. We're going to get a Boba Fett movie, a, a, a character-driven story about Boba Fett. I think that's where he excels. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I kind of, yeah, I'm kind of changing my mind on this, thinking about it. Focus on that one character. <clears throat> Boba Fett's just as big to me as Godzilla is. He doesn't have to be seven stories tall or whatever to be as big to me as Godzilla. Right. So you're kind of right. Like, Godzilla of the Star Wars universe is kind of Boba Fett. You know, that one singular character where you can take on these crazy... He can do whatever. Anything could happen when you're Boba Fett. You know, these stories that they could tell. He could be on any planet, you know, encountering whatever alien species and these big set pieces or whatever monsters, creatures he's going to encounter. I want to see what Boba Fett does when he takes the helmet off, man. That's what I want to see. I want to see Boba Fett in his downtime, how he lives his life. I want to see him just be Boba Fett the man, too. That's interesting. You know? I mean, uh, I compared him to, like, you know, the Punisher, the antihero. And even Jack Sparrow. I mean, you know... Um, you got you root for them. I mean, they may not be like even Wolverine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're good guys, but Boba Fett's also a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's good and bad. There's kind of like endearing qualities. I mean, I'm not saying Boba Fett's a good guy. You know, he, in the Star Wars movies, like he's portrayed as a bad guy. But right. I don't think there's any reason why they can't portray him as a good guy in these films. Yeah. Me and Jake just watched a movie this past weekend where. A character that's viewed as a villain gets a totally different. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's what's the name of the Godzilla director again? Gareth Edwards. I mean, he could have just been hired because he has so much experience with special effects shooting too. I mean, that's probably what they need for a Star Wars. Movie. He did Monster, which was low budget, and then he did Godzilla. I mean, that's really all he's done. I yeah. think. I think they wanted this. I think Star Wars wanted to see how. Godzilla did in the movie theater, and it did well. I mean, it made some money, and I thought they—I think they thought that 
this guy would be able to bring something to their films. I think they're taking the same direction. Okay, it's it's Disney, right? Yeah. Disney owns Marvel Studios. What has Marvel Studios been doing? They've been getting some of these lesser-known directors, like James Gunn, who's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. James Gunn, even Edgar Wright, who they dropped. But uh, and John Favreau. John Favreau. Yeah. And they've been taking them under their wing. I think Disney's kind of taking, going to do the same model because it's worked so successfully. They're going to do it with Diz, with the Star Wars films. Oh, here's Gareth Edwards. He's up and coming. Okay. This movie did really well. This Godzilla. Let's give him a shot. Yeah. I see that. I mean, JJ Abrams, though, I don't think he's. No, no, no. No, no, no. Exactly. I think, I think for episode seven, they kind of wanted to get a big name in there. Yeah. I really do. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I, for episode seven, you have to. This is Star Wars. It's not like Iron Man where you can just get John Favreau in there and you get lucky. Yeah, I think all of our heads would have exploded if they would have just said, hey, the guy that directed Godzilla is going to be doing episode seven. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's my whole point. Yeah. For for Star Wars, like for like the flagship movie, episode seven, you've got to get somebody in there with some, you know, I don't know, some oomph. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. You think we can get Del Toro to do a Star Wars movie? You think that will Guillermo del Toro. What Star Wars movie would you want to see him do? The Yoda movie. I don't think they're going to do a Yoda movie. I heard that was in the talks when they were talking about... Yeah, it was a rumor. Yeah. It was a rumor a long time ago. The ones that have kind of... Like, there, there's been like rumors of movies that they've been talking about, but the ones that have slowly been rising to the top are like the, the Han Solo movie and mm-hmm. the Boba Fett movie. Yeah. Haven't heard much more about the Yoda movie. I, I think what it boils down to is I think what he's good at is taking people and putting them in extraordinary circumstances and making it visually stunning. I'm more worried. I'm worried about, like you said, what is Boba Fett like without the mask? What does he do? Yeah. But I think he's great in making that the visually stunning ordinary people or whatever in extraordinary circumstances, just crazy situations. So it, it would have to be a main character, a major character like that, like Boba Fett. Right. And I, I think that's what everybody wants anyway. I mean, I know they're not like pandering to the crowd or anything like that, but it's the logical, I think, progression. I guess we'll see after we see what the story is in this next one. But Right. They're going to fuck Boba Fett up. <laughs> well, hold on. Let's, let's, <laughs> He's been fucked up. Let's talk about Gareth Edwards and why he wanted to do the movie. Now, the Hollywood Reporter, they first broke this na- massive news. Originally, they said there's no word on which of the three un- announced films, but then StarWars.com added the following. In addition to the episodes of new Star Wars trilogy, Lucasfilm and Disney have begun development on multiple standalone movies that will offer new stories beyond the core saga. Gareth Edwards will direct the first standalone film with a screenplay by Gary Whitta. The film is due out December 16, 2016. Gareth Edwards blazed into the filmmaking forefront with his acclaimed work on Monsters, a film he wrote, directed, and served on as cinematographer and visual effects artist. The skill and vision readily apparent in Monsters earned him the high-profile spot directing this year's smash hit Godzilla. And this is what he says. This is uh, Gareth Edwards. Ever since I saw Star Wars, I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. (laughs) Join the Rebel Alliance. I could not be more excited and honored to go on this mission with Lucasfilm, said Edwards. The rumor is that it will be the Boba Fett movie and will star Brian Cranston, who will shortly die after the movie starts, <laughs> and will only get to see Boba Fett himself in the last 15 minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. Of course. But, well, that made it sound even more like they, they grabbed this guy because he's such a good visual effects director. Do you guys think 
that well yeah I, visual effects i mean he they did he he did a great job in godzilla as far yeah. as the visual effects are concerned yeah um but when he says Ever since I saw Star Wars, I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Join the Rebel Alliance. Yeah. What are you thinking? Do you Are you thinking this could be the Red 5 movie? Shit. You know Why what I mean? Why would he say that? Why would he fucking say that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, because Boba Fett is not the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, but I mean, he could have just said that, like, as a Star Wars fan, he's always wanted to join the Rebel Alliance. That's true. It could yeah. be nothing. Yeah. It could be nothing, but at the same time, it could be everything. Yeah. I took it as a throwaway. <sighs> Who knows? But a couple weeks ago, we talked about that possible Red 5 movie that I thought was going to be an animated series. I don't know, man. He, Sometimes where there's a smoke, there's a fucking fire. Yeah, he could pull off a Red 5 movie, probably, visually. But, again, the anti-hero of Godzilla, the anti-hero of Boba Fett. They're both anti-heroes. Are they good? Are they evil? What are they yeah. for? I don't know, man. I don't know. What's the uh, What's the writer credited with? The writer of the, the movie that the Godzilla director is attached to? The writer of the... Are you talking about Gary Whitta? Yeah. We are. We talked about Book him. Book of Eli. Book of Eli. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, Book, gotcha, gotcha. Book of Eli, After Earth, and The Walking Dead, The Game. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, writer Gary Whitta, he had this to add. He states, uh, from the moment I first saw the original movie as a wide-eyed kid, Star Wars has been the single most profound inspiration to my imagination and to my career as a writer. It is deeply special to me. So to be given the opportunity to contribute to its ongoing legacy, especially in collaboration with a filmmaker as talented as Gareth, is literally a dream come true. I'm still pinching myself. Hmm. Well, that's great. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, fuck, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. I know. I'm thinking I'm, <laughs> what I'm wanting them to do, I'm wanting, I think his talents better serve a Boba Fett movie. Okay. But from what his statement, I'm thinking he might be doing the Red Five. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Red What's Five that? could be as cool. <laughs> it's, 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 I don't know. What's the Red Five movie? Explain it in two sentences to me. Red we don't even know if it's real. There, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, there uh, Hasbro had an event in Germany, and a website leaked what they believe is the schedule for the Star Wars movies. Hmm. There was Star Wars Episode Seven. No, wait, there was Rebels, which is the cartoon. Star Wars Episode Seven. Uh, the next movie was a Boba Fett movie. Star Wars Episode Eight. The next movie was a solo movie, not necessarily Han Solo. The next movie was Episode Nine, and the final ep- the final movie was like 2020, and it was re- called Red Five. Hmm. And so, what's the speculation? But we don't know if it's a movie or not because the first thing on that list was 2014, which was Rebels. So I was thinking Red Five was going to be an animated series on Disney XD. Oh, gotcha. But now, after what Gareth Edwards said about him wanting to join the Rebel Alliance as a kid, I'm thinking he might be doing the Red 5 movie, even though I think he's better suited for a Boba Fett film. Hmm. But that would mean the Red 5 movie was the one coming out right away. Yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 2006. But we don't, hey, hey, hold on. This was just a rumor. Yeah. yeah. Rumor about an event that uh, the Hasbro event in Germany. They they don't know it any better than anybody else. <laughs> that Hasbro thing, it's like the uh, the map in the Avengers comic that I like outline the next like 4 years of Avengers comics. Oh yeah, and right. Stuff. <laughs> right. That's funny. That's funny stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> Red 5 could be the first solo film coming out. 
for all I, we know. I could see him attached to either. You know, what is Red Five though? What, what's the speculation that that is? Well, that that's just Red Five Rogue, Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron. Yeah, squ- yeah. That, the that's that's fighters. Red Five is Luke's call name in the Rogue Squadron. So right. they they think that there's there's a few rumors out there that it's that it's maybe uh, they show a younger Luke and and how he beca- how they became the legendary Rogue Squadron. Mm. Number two, it could be somebody that uh, inherits his call sign. Right and. Uh, I forget what the last one was. Do you remember, Jay? Uh, off I, your head. I, I think it's just um, something to do with the tie into the movies. Like even if it is a cartoon, it's a tie into the movies of how he brought he resurged that for some reason or another. He felt the need to bring about a team, uh, an elite team of X-wing fighter pilots, okay. and they called them, yeah, the Rogue Squadron. So Red Five. We know there's no wedge. That's a big deal, though, right? Wedge did not come back. Right. Yeah. yeah. Was he asked? He was. I believe he was asked. I wasn't he? I don't know if he was asked. He's expressly said he didn't want to be in the movies. Yeah. Really. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember if he was asked or not. All right. Let's move on. I got finally we got a Star Wars email from listener Lee Tapscott. Um, we all remember Lee. Oh, He's yeah. the one who invented Freeze It. Yes. <laughs> Lee, Lee Freeze It Taps guy. <laughs> he, sends, he sends us an email a few weeks ago. I bet he thought I forgot, but I didn't. I've been saving it for this, Lee. Um, I would like to hear your thoughts on who I am thinking might be our Sith Lord. Here are some things I was thinking. Number one, it needed to be someone who has a plan. Number two, he needed to be someone who knew the ways of the dark side. Number three, someone who was in hiding till the time was right. Number four, someone who we all thought was dead. Five, someone who Andy Serkis could play. Six, someone who could defeat Luke. Seven, someone who could cheat death. What if the the Sith Lord in question is Darth Plagueis? Hmm. Darth Plagueis was working on ways to cheat death. What if Darth Sidious only thought he killed him? Do you think this is a possibility? Lee freeze it tap Scott. <laughs> That's how he signed it. Nice. I love it. It's, uh, I mean, guys, uh, we've talked about how the EU is not. But, but that um, Darth Plagueis is canon. That story that he's talking about, the Emperor relays to It's Anakin. a Dark Horse book. No, but the Emperor relays that to Anakin in Episode 3 when they're watching the opera. That's true. Right, but his death is a Dark Horse comic. Yeah, but the Emperor alludes to killing Darth Plagueis within the actual Star Wars movie. So that is canon, then? Yes. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I, what what race was Darth Plagueis? We don't know anything okay. about him okay. like that. Okay. All right, let's talk about Darth Plagueis. Um, he was a dark lord of the Sith. He was so powerful and so wise. This is, this is a quote. From uh, from Palpatine, mm-hmm. Darth Plagueis was the Dark Lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise he could use the Force to influence the midi chlorians to create life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. Wow. Okay. Uh, Plagueis was a master of the midi chlorian manipulation. He was obsessed with eternal life. He experimented with ways to cheat death and create new life from the midi chlorians. He trained Arsidious a.k.a. Palpatine, and was later killed by Palpatine, who got him intoxicated and then blasted him with the Sith lightning until he died. So, what do you think? Could that be the ancient fear? I think Lee's on to something here, possibly. Yeah. Ancient fear. This this predates Sidious. Right, right. Do, do, Do you have a race on that, dude? 
I'm, I'm looking Cause at I, it. Cause Are I'm you one, on the Star Wars wiki? I'm on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. I'm just wondering because, I, you know, I know there's no EU canon, right? We, it's not part of it. But they, they did have characters that were outside of the galaxy and operated outside of the Force. Was, so was Plagueis part of that? We haven't seen who he is or, like, like Darth Maul. Like, who is his species? Right. Who are those guys? We don't know where they've come from. So I think that's part of it is that we're going to see this race come in and maybe Plagueis was a part of that race or something that's totally outside of the realm of what a Jedi can deal with. Lee gave us seven points here. And, I mean, honestly, I think he might be right with pretty much every one of them, even Andy Serkis. Yeah. I mean, if it's Plagueis, they could have Andy. Andy Serkis could be the one doing the motion capture. Right. Yeah. Right. Is it just, yeah. I mean, he's he's crazy looking, right? Wasn't Plagueis the one with the horns and everything We, we don't know what Plagueis looks like now. Uh, now. We don't know what he looks like now. We know what he looks like in EU. Okay. Okay. EU, he had like a really didn't he have like a really long face? I felt like he had know? a long face with like yeah. horns. Something. I don't remember horns. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, in in episode three, he uh, he does tell Anakin that Darth Sidious killed him in his sleep. <laughs> okay, wow. so he he tells Anakin that he killed. Well, he thought that he killed Plagueis. But fuck, if the dude's into immortal life, maybe he's not dead. You know, maybe he didn't die. Maybe that's the whole well, point. That's the thing. In the EU, they never showed his dead body. Right. In the EU, if you read the book, they never showed his dead body. Right. So. That would make a shit. I think sense. fucking Lee's on to it, man. I, I do. I think there's a good chance that Lee's on to this. It could be Darth Plagueis. And the, the thing, that's why they call it the ancient fear. Right. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? It, it'll all come clear when we find out who Circus is playing. I mean, he, he could be anybody. Well, they could be doing the whole thing that. That Abrams could be doing the whole thing he did with Star Trek. Yeah. He could be, like, saying, oh, no, uh, Cumberbatch is not playing Khan. He's going to be uh, whatever his name was, fucking uh, John uh, John Harrison or true, John, true. John whatever the fuck his name was. I'm just saying Circus could do a multitude of things for the movies. I mean, he could be a Watto-like character or, that, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Just, I mean, I'm not sold that Circus will for sure be a Sith Lord. He's got a range, though. I mean, he does have range. He can play good. He can play bad. Oh, if he I, was not, Gollum, I think he could be a Sith Lord. No, I love Andy Serkis. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. he can pull off being a Sith Lord, and that would be amazing. Yeah. But, but I'm not yet. Convinced. I don't think they're going to get him the, for like the mocap of like Jar Jar Banks. No. Yeah, <laughs> I think that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I, I don't know. I think I'm kind of leaning towards Lee that he it could be someone that Andy Serkis could play. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I feel like, too, that ancient fear could hearken to something that's unknown. Like I said, maybe this is an ancient race that killed all kinds of people and, are, and have been gone for a really long time. But don't you think it's smart to just take that one little line from the original? From oh, the, yeah, yeah, and use it. Yeah. Just that one little yeah. line and then use it in this film. Oh, yeah. What a tie-in. Exactly. I never even thought about that. That's fucking awesome. One little line yeah. right there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then it kind of gives the the prequels some, like, wow, okay, I'm going to have to watch the prequels again so I can hear that fucking line. Yeah. Right. Well, they're not going to discount those. Right. Yeah, definitely No, not. they're canon. Yeah, the prequels are canon. Yeah. Man. Okay, well, that gives me a shit ton more to think about. <laughs> you know what, Lee? You're not going to be Lee Freeze It Tapscott anymore. You're going to be Lee Holy Shit Tapscott. Yeah, holy fucking shit, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Tapscott. <laughs> 
Wow, mind blown, dude. Yeah, I I know. When I got the email, my mind was blown. Just jaw dropping. I know. Okay, I got you. I know. <laughs> you guys ready to take a break? We've been talking about fucking Star Wars for like a goddamn hour. I loved it. <laughs> loved every minute of it. All right, we'll be right back. Later. I'm fresh. Hey, we're back. We're going to talk about some more news. A uh, new story coming out. MGM and Warner Brothers, they announced that Roland Emmerich will return to direct a remake of the 1994 Stargate movie starring Kurt Russell and James Spader. They would like this to be the start of a new trilogy. So oh, shit. it's not going to be Kurt Russell and James Spader coming back, of course, but it's going to be a remake of that 1994 Stargate film. Right. Uh, which we all know turned into a series that was on Showtime. Now, Jay, you watched that mm-hmm. series. Um, did you enjoy it? I mean, they had Star. Did they have different? Uh, iter- they had different iterations of that. They had Stargate Atlantis. And- yeah, it, it got to be too much for me. Like I, I didn't. I, it was too much storytelling in a television series when I wanted to see kind of more of the mythos that the movie was trying to explain to me. Right. But they went in all these other tangents, which is fine. I understand that as part of the Stargate universe. You're going to different dimensions and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was too much for me to follow, I think, at the time. And, you know, it wasn't really on par acting-wise or effects-wise or anything like that. But it was huge. I mean, there was a lot of... It had a big following. Though. Yeah, yeah. And it, it had some very interesting things that I was watching it consist- consistently still, um, and I'll still go back and watch those shows. Was Momoa in that show? Mm. No, I don't think so. Okay. No, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were definitely, like, big characters. Look into that, Jack. Yeah. It's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, but it, it's one of those those stories that, when I saw the movie the first time, I thought, man, this is an intriguing story. I want to hear the backstory. Uh, but the television story... Uh, the the series took it on all these other tangents, and I just I just couldn't keep up with everything that was going on. Okay, and that's probably my fault. But at the same time, I think everything was kind of not on par with where it should have been. All right, here's the official press release: Metro Goldwyn Mayer Pictures and Warner Brothers Pictures, together with Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, are partnering to launch a new feature film tri- trilogy that reimagines the 1994 film Stargate. Cool. The announcement was made today by Gary Barber, MGM's chairman and CEO. Emmerich, who directed and co-wrote the original film with Devlin, is confirmed to direct and Devlin will produce. Barber said, we couldn't be more excited to once again partner with Roland and Dean the world-class creators of the original Stargate, to bring their reinvigorated vision of this wildly popular property to audiences of multiple generations. He added, Stargate is one of the biggest titles in MGM's vast library, and we look forward to adding this great franchise to our slate. The Stargate universe is one that we miss terribly, and we cannot wait to get going on imagining new adventures and situations for the trilogy. This story is very close to our hearts, and getting the chance to revisit this world is in many ways like a long-lost child that has found its way back home, said Emmerich and Devlin. MGM will be running production on Stargate with Jonathan Glickman, president, motion picture group, overseeing the project on behalf of MGM, and Greg Silverman, president, creative development, and worldwide production, overseeing for Warner Brothers. Wow, that was a mouthful. (laughs) 
worldwide distribution will be handled by Warner Brothers Pictures with select international territories to be handled by MGM. Glickman said, for us at MGM, there was no version of us further developing the Stargate franchise without Roland and Dean at the creative helm. Hmm. This is their baby, and we cannot wait to bring this re-energized universe to the legions of fans around the world. Silverman said, Stargate created an expansive cinematic universe that has engaged fans for two decades. He added, under the guidance of Roland and Dean, these new films will build upon the creativity and popularity of the first film while delivering an original film-going experience for fans and those new to the franchise. All right, the sci-fi film Stargate launched a worldwide phenomenon, and at the time of its release, the film set the record for the highest-grossing opening weekend in October wow. and went on to gross nearly $200 million worldwide at the box office. God, I'm losing my voice. I remember it being a uh, visual effects masterpiece at the time. <clears throat> like, that was its big draw, was it had special effects like we'd never seen when it came out. Yeah. Especially when they transported to the Egyptian times through the Stargate. Yeah. yeah. I remember those visuals just being... Like now you see that effect in like every movie opening done to man where you're going through the special effects tunnel with all the stuff swirling around and everything. Yeah. But that that was the movie where we first really saw that kind of effect. And they had like that uh healing pod on the on the main ship and you yeah. see that yeah. a lot now. You even saw it in Prometheus. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots of revolutionary visual effects. I think that we first saw in Stargate. That's what I always remember it for. It's just its visual effects and how groundbreaking they the were. The pyramid scene where the pyramids are like their ships and they're rising up. That whole scene and just just the outfits of the the armor of the you know the ancient race. I like I like that whole the whole story of it that it's kind of based in ancient Egyptian times. Like this has been going on forever, but it's that was a higher technology than what we even have today back then and it was kind of like showing that that this race came from there and you know they created this technology that we don't even understand they created the stargate and they've been doing this forever well there was the one master alien that like well he was going to die and he found a i mean his his alien race was going to die and he found a uh he found that he, the human body he could repair it easily and yeah. so he be, basically became a, a god mm-hmm. you know on that on that world and the people that lived there worshipped him. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't until, like, James Spader and Kurt Russell's characters arrived there that, you know, things finally came to yeah. a halt. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in over 10 years, probably. You sound like you just saw it yesterday. <laughs> I actually watched it a few weeks ago. Oh, gotcha. So, I'm like, wow. <laughs> no, it was, it was really cool. I mean, that's the thing, like, at the end of the movie, you know, like, they send the, the nuclear bomb up there. They yeah. They used, like, one of the the teleporters to send it up to him. And then he, as he was going to leave the planet, then he blows up. Um, cause basically the whole planet was going to blow up and then they sent it up to him in the ship. Yeah. And boom. And that's when the people like went crazy, like Ewoks at the end of the day. <laughs> no. It's, it's a total exploration though, of like ancient earth mysteries in a sci-fi film. Like they take it to the next level. And I fucking love that about it. It was always an intriguing story. I always want to see more about that. So that's great news. You were half right about Momoa, by the way. Okay. He's on the uh, spinoff. Yeah. Uh, Stargate Atlantis. Yeah. That's nice one. <laughs> Which so. is a spinoff. It, it existed concurrently to Stargate. It's funny that people are saying that he's going to be Aquaman. Atlantean. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, was uh, Khal Drogo on uh, Game of Thrones. Yes, oh, I of know course. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. Well, that's great news. I I, I want to see that invigorated franchise for sure. It's like Star Trek, man. There's so many possibilities with that show. There's no reason why not to reboot it. You think they're gonna get? Uh, you think if they reboot it, are they gonna do like the ancient Egyptian stuff again, or are they gonna explore a totally different world? I don't know. This is what I find interesting is it's the first time something's being rebooted by the same person that created it in the first place, isn't it? You don't see that too often. Not often at all. That's yeah. true. I, I think the time is right for him to tell. Like I said, with the television series, it was lacking like what we have now, technology-wise, and what they can do. I think visually, he can make it what he really wanted it to be at this point. Yeah, know? that's kind of weird, though. It's like Spielberg doing Raiders again. I'm going to reboot Raiders. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but Prometheus was kind of almost a reboot too of Aliens, almost. Yeah, I know? can see that but a, a little bit. Not not it's so not on the a, it's, that they it's, call this that. Though. It's still it's a prequel though. Yeah. yeah. Right, it's not right. like this is like a remake of the original. Like 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 this whole new thing could be like an alternate canon. Yeah, that's you know? true. That's by, true. The, by the same director though. By the so, same director. That's weird. Now the question is, when can we expect to see a new Stargate? Because mm-hmm. Emmerich is currently working on Stonewall, and after that, it's Independent Independence Day two. Huh. And the rumor is that they will be shooting part three of Independence Day. Uh, of that film back to back with Independence yeah. Day 2. So we're looking at, at the soonest, is we're looking at a 2019 release for a Stargate remake. Wow. Yeah. That's the soonest. I'm thinking it's going to be 2020, but at the soonest that they could do it would be 2019. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad news, I guess, but the name's not going to spoil. I mean, people are just going to be just as excited for Stargate then as they are now. I just I need to see some casting news too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kurt yeah. Russell was so good in that fucking movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was, man. I fucking I, loved him in that. I remember in 1994 thinking like this is the best sci-fi movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was mind blowing. I, I watched it so many times, just like the character interactions too. Like watching these, you know, watching these guys, these military guys, you know, have conversations with like people on this planet. It was just, it was really fucking awesome. And then James Spader mm-hmm. was not even like a military type guy. He was just on the mission to like, uh, you know, he was there to like, he was the one who was supposed to be able to read the different languages yeah. and things like that, you know? The tech guy. Yeah. yeah. So like when they got lost on that other planet, like he was the guy that was supposed to be able to get them back and like read their, you know, ancient language and shit like that. God, I bet he looks young as shit in that movie. He does. Oh, he does. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a baby. I mean, yeah, he still looks like, uh, like, this is like just a few years after St. Elmo's Fire, maybe like five years after St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. So, I mean, he's young as hell, man. Yeah. That was, that was just one of those out of there, out of nowhere sci-fi films. Like, I was he- heavily into sci-fi films like I always have been, but like as a younger kid... I wasn't expecting something as cool as that. Like, I went to see it because I knew I liked sci-fi films. I love ancient ancient Egypt and all that shit and all the mysteries. And when I went to see it, I was like, man, this movie's fucking great. It was awesome. <laughs> I love Stargate, the yeah. original film. So I'm excited for the remake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many possibilities. So many. I, I can't even begin to imagine what they're going to do with it. Yeah, we have no idea. We have no idea half the time what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, generally. <laughs> you, guys want, you guys want to talk about some Jurassic World? Yes. Yeah, sure. All right. Jurassic World. Uh, more rumors have been coming out as to the plot details of Jurassic Park 4, which is, of course, titled Jurassic World. 
what we do know, Jurassic World is being directed by Colin Trevorrow, who did a small movie that I loved called Safety Not Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that in theaters. Absolutely fantastic. You guys seen it? I, I saw it because not. you told me to see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Really good movie. Uh, there's a site called jplegacy.com, and they got a hold of some of the maps that, according to them at least, are legit. The maps show that they, uh, that the park is now known as Jurassic World, uh, and it's back on the first island, Isla Nublar, from the first film. Mm-hmm. The map looks like a theme park map. Yeah. And it has attractions labeled. You can clearly see, like, there's a Triceratops territory. T-Rex Kingdom, uh, Gallimimus Valley, uh, all of those dinosaurs we saw in the first film. But now the part, it sounds like it's almost like Bush Gardens or SeaWorld when it comes to the attractions. Uh, listen to these uh, different attractions they have. Underwater Observatory, mm-hmm. uh, Masasaurus Feeding Show, Golf Course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's weird. <laughs> There's a Botanical Gardens, uh-huh. Gentle Giants Petting Zoo, <laughs> And there's a water park. Right. All right. There's another rumor that has hit the internet that helps confirm these rumors. I just read. And the old Joe Blow rumors uh, from JoeBlow.com mm-hmm. from last year that we talked about, that the island is now fully functional. It's right. a fully functional theme park. So basically, John Hammond, the creator of Jurassic Park, it's like his vision has finally come to fruition. Yeah. So here's the rumor. Quote, Jurassic World will be a real running theme park, complete with a monorail, as teased in recent concept art, shops, rides, and shows. It's the most popular theme park and a family destination. To get there, you have to take a high-speed shuttle boat from Florida. Inside the park, there are a multitude of activities, including a dino petting zoo and a hologram info center where you can learn about the methods they are using to create dinosaurs. Hmm. One of the rides is called a gyrosphere that you can get in and ride around in the wild to get up close to the dinosaurs. Hmm. There's also some rumors of some island of Dr. Moreau shit going on here where the people running the park try to splice dino DNA with other species. Then a like a T Rex Raptor Snake Cuttlefish hybrid gets loose and begins terrorizing the park. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now that goes along with the quote from JoeBlow.com from last year that says there will be a lot of dino on dino fighting as some of the dinos are good guys mm-hmm. that are trained by Chris Pratt's character. The raptors and T Rex are among the among the trained di- good dinosaurs. The big bad dinosaur has instant camouflage abilities. Oh shit! Like the cuttlefish, so he blends into the background. Is smart like the Velociraptor. Uses his jaw like a snake and can terrorize like the T Rex. Now, does this mean the new dino will be the only bad one, or will there be more than one? Unconfirmed, but it will be the catalyst that kicks off the peril. Hmm. hmm. Now. Did you guys see the veterinary patch that was released? No. Yeah, yeah I saw that. You saw that? Okay. There was a veterinary, uh, like a veterinary Jurassic World patch pick that was released. It was, uh, and, and the patch was like like an arm patch. Okay. Kind of looked like, you know, like the police badge yeah. or like a police patch or something like that. It's on like the shoulder gotcha. of somebody that works at the park, a veterinarian for the dinosaurs. The patch, when they showed the picture, it actually looked really old and kind of faded. So it looks like this park has been in operation for some years. Yeah. Uh, in an interview, 
with director Colin Trevorrow. Uh, he spilled the beans on some of the Jurassic World plot details. And this was from Slash Film. They had an interview with him via email. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, this is full of spoilers, so if you don't want to hear spoilers on this, uh, confirm spoilers, you might want to fast forward. He says, yes, Jurassic Park takes place in a fully functional park on Isla Nublar. Mm-hmm. So we're back on the original park. It sees more than 20,000 visitors every day. You arrive by ferry from Costa Rica. It has elements of a biological preserve, a safari, a zoo, and a theme park. There is a luxury resort with hotels, restaurants, nightlife, and a golf course. Nice. And there are dinosaurs, real ones. You can get closer to them than you ever imagined possible. It's the realization of John Hammond's dream, and I think you'll want to go there. He was then, Colin Trevorrow, he was then asked about how much time has elapsed since the last movie and how things have changed. Um, This film picks up 22 years after Jurassic Park. When Derek Connolly and I sat down to find the movie, we looked at the past two decades and talked about what we've seen. Two things came to the surface. One of them that money has been the gasoline in the engine of our biggest mistakes. <laughs> if point. there are billions to be made, no one can resist them, even if they know things could end horribly. <laughs> the other was that our relationship with technology has become so woven into our daily lives, we've become numb to the scientific miracles around us. We take so much for granted. Those two ideas felt like they could work together. What if... Despite previous disasters, they built a new biological preserve where you could see dinosaurs walk the earth. And what if people already ki- uh, what if people were already kind of over it? Mm-hmm. We imagined a teenager texting his girlfriend with his back to a T-Rex behind protective glass. For us, that image captured the way much of the audience feels about the movies themselves. We've seen CG dinosaurs. What else you got? Wow. Next year, You'll see our answer. Holy shit. What are you guys thinking about that? How Colin Trevorrow is taking this approach to I, the I film. I think that's super exciting. I mean, that's the problem with Jurassic Park 2 and 3. There's no... I mean, already right there in Part 2, it was like, well, we've already seen these amazing special effects. So, yeah. well, what else? They said, well, let's take them to the city. Yeah, exactly. And Jurassic Park 3... They took it to another island. Yeah. We got a pterodactyl for the first time. Right. So, eh, you know... It, I, I like this idea a lot. I mean, it's. I feel like it's very meta to how people are in, in the movies. If, if you're bored or seen something before, pulling out your phone and texting and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Pacific Rim at this point. We've seen Godzilla. Like, what can you blow our minds with visually right. anymore with this movie? And, and Jurassic Park, when it came out originally, it blew our fucking minds when right. we saw it. But part of that experience, too, was the whole setting up of the park which they've never really fully realized, and I think they're finally doing that, and I think that's a great great way to tell this story, is like, this is a fully functioning theme park at this point. What the fuck could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Everything's probably going to go wrong at this point, but I think that's great. I think that's a great way to, to explore this further. Otherwise, I'm not really excited about it. You know, I need to see... I need to see why this is going to be intriguing, and I think this kind of drives it home, is that it's a fully functioning theme park, You've got dinosaur vets. You've got people training dinosaurs. 
you got people just being like, this is an everyday occurrence. We know this has been here for years. Yeah. And then you've got people also splicing and doing genetic stuff, like what could go wrong? Everything could go wrong at this point. And so that's intriguing to me. Just like, uh, I can't quote it, but just like Jeff Goldblum said, like if you take the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean tour in Disney World. <laughs> yeah, they came the, real. The pirates aren't going to try to kill you. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. You know? That's what's fun about it, is, like, right. the theme park gone wrong. Well, even at SeaWorld, I mean, the trainers do get attacked. They get killed. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like it's just going to be a really fun disaster movie, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's, like, they've gotten lax, and, like, they're going to show people, like, you can't fucking train a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No you know shit. what I mean? <laughs> no shit. But, yeah, that that was the whole thing. Like, I, I'm excited about this. I, I was a little weary about... You know, the genetics, the crossbreeding, you know, we kind of saw that in the last one with the, I, I don't know, wasn't that, wasn't that a genetically enhanced dinosaur or was that just, no, that's a, that was a real like gigantosaur, was that gigantosaur? Yeah, it reminded me of some Gremlins 2 shit sounding, you know, where we're going to take every kind of creature and put it into the Gremlin. It was just one of those weird things where I didn't grasp it, but this makes sense. Well, it, this whole thing has been genetically altered. I mean, th- yeah. that's how they brought the dinosaurs back to begin with. Right, and how far, how far are they going to take it? Playing right. God. Yeah. I mean, that's how they brought him back. And the whole thing that I like about this, too, is I think it's going to explore the human-dinosaur interaction. Like, what's that all about? Well, now they're training him. So what's that like? I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, I think Chris Pratt's going to play one of these trainers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a huge role for Pratt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've got Nick Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and make fun of me for watching Melissa and Joey. Whatever. I don't. So I the kid has the kid has good comedic timing. He's a good actor. Yeah. On a uh just a regular kind of like uh ABC family show. Yeah. But uh I he did the Kings of Summer. He's a he's a really good actor and I think he's, a lot of people are gonna know who Nick Robinson is after this film. Um, let's talk about what you were talking about, Jay. I don't know if this will kind of, uh, damper your feelings on the movie. (laughs) The other, uh, thing that they talked about, um, let's see here. Finally, he was asked if there were going to be genetically altered dinosaurs, which Mm -hmm. was another rumor. Right. He says, we were hoping audiences could discover this on their own, but yes, there will be one new dinosaur created by the park's geneticist. Mm -hmm. The gaps in, the, in in her sequence were filled with the DNA from other species, much like the the genome in the is that am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, genome. Yeah, genome. yeah I yeah. thought so. In the first film, was completed with frog DNA. This creation exists to fulfill a corporate mandate. They want something bigger, louder, with more teeth, and that's what they get. I know the idea of a modified dinosaur put a lot of fans on red alert, and I understand it. But we aren't doing anything here that Krypton did not suggest in his Crichton. Jesus Christ. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I like just read things. I do it all the time. Yeah, Crichton didn't suggest in his novels. This animal is not a mutant freak. It doesn't have a snake's head or octopus tentacles. It's a dinosaur created in the same way the others were. Mm. But now the genetics have gone to the next level. For me, it's a natural evolution of the technology introduced in the first film. Maybe it sounds crazy, but most of my favorite movies sound crazy when you describe them in a single sentence. Mm-hmm. So they are going to be doing that. Right. That well, you, well you brought that up earlier, too, was that they were they were experimenting with that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And uh, I, I, I just think this is a better way to explore it rather than the, um, I don't know, action terror 
thing that they do with Jurassic Park. Well, they did it. I mean, okay, the first movie was like, yeah, they they used the frog's DNA to fill in the gaps. They figured that out. They did it. We saw that. Yeah. Now, what else could they do that's even more terrifying? Yeah. Do you think they'd stop? And let's do you think fill in the DNA with other fucking uh, breeds of uh, different species of dinosaurs and make like a super dinosaur? Right. Oh shit! Look what you've done now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think Isla Nublar was fucking terrorized when you saw the T Rex? And yeah. even the T Rex saved their lives from the Velociraptors at the end of the movie. Right. Now you're gonna get something that's gonna go out and try to kill everything right it's a yeah you've created the ultimate predator right probably and and it's and it's and it's another thing like another cool thing to explore like you said when you throw money at something like do you always get the best result and now you have these corporations that are into this park Mm -hmm. pumping all this money and making these decisions what's best and i think chris pratt will be like the voice of reason like what are you guys doing i think that will probably be his character since he has such a hands-on like, with these other dinosaurs, I think he's going to be the guy that's like, what is going on in this park? What are you guys doing genetically modifying these dinosaurs and stuff like that? I think that Samuel L. Jackson is going to pop out of the dead of dinosaur um, and be a, like... His arm's going to show up again. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to tell everybody, hold on to your butts. <laughs> that was a fucking great moment. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to Jurassic World after this. I, I am really too. Am. Like these rumors don't don't dishearten me at all. I think no. I think this is a good way to tell a story that's not generic. Let's see the park. Let's see John Hammond's realization come to life. Right. This is what he envisioned from the beginning. Right. So. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people giving the director a lot of flack for going ahead and um giving credence to the the spoilers and saying that they're real real spoilers and everything but you know who really cares we're gonna see all that stuff in the trailer anyway six months before we see the movie also that's true yeah so it's i think the one thing that he didn't want to get out though was the genetically altered dinosaurs that's where i i think he sounds a little upset is that that got out oh yeah that was his precious baby because he says we were hoping audiences could discover this on their own but yes there will be new dinosaurs created by the park's geneticists yeah yeah that sounds a little bitter but i understand like i you know i'm sure he wanted to keep that under the cuff but i think we i think i think most of us probably expected that like you said We've already seen that in the first film with the frog DNA. This is like a, a, a logical continuation of that story. I don't know. I mean, without the rumors coming out from Joe Blow, I don't know if I would have came to that assumption. Really? Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I just kind of felt that way after the last couple that that was always kind of the backstory, the, the science element of like we shouldn't be fucking with this stuff and what happens if we continue you know, to fuck with this. Yeah. You know, and, and we, you know, we do that today. We can genetically modify stuff today. So it's not a far fetch. No, I don't think it is either. But like I was, I, you know, just like in Jurassic Park three, they, they brought on a different dinosaur yeah. that was like, you know, that could, uh, you know, give a T-Rex a, a run for its money. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was thinking that they were going to take, like make like a hybrid dinosaur or not. Yeah. That seems weird. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out, I guess. Yeah, I want to see what it looks like. Yeah. Well, you know, the other part of that, too, was, you know, not even scientifically, they were talking about what would happen if these these creatures continued to breed and exist on this planet. What would happen if they continued to be here and we kept them here while we existed at the same time? So that's that's interesting, too. But I just think the whole, I think grounding it with somebody like Chris Pratt and making him kind of the logical, like, we shouldn't be doing this against the scientists, it really harkens back to what I loved about the first film and the conflict 
in like, why are you guys doing this? Like with Jeff Goldblum. He was the only character I liked in the the original. I'll be honest, I didn't care for Sam Neill. I didn't care for uh, Laura Dern. Yeah, uh, I like Hammond. The kids drove me crazy. Yeah, yeah, Hammond's <laughs> fine. But I'm, I'm talking about the the ones that were actually out there throughout the entire movie. Like, yeah. I didn't care for Sam Neill, Lauren Dern. The kids, they annoyed the shit out of me. Um, I was hoping the girl would get eaten. <laughs> yeah, within yeah. moments. Yeah, she. Yeah, for sure. But I, I just think, I just think the exploration of the story from the first one, even though the act, the characters weren't so great, I think that story. Of like, why are you doing this? And like, we've got to do this, or like that whole thing. I like that story about Jurassic Park. How far should we take science? What can it be used for? What can it be used to harm us or help us? And how do we exist with these creatures? You know, these creatures are extinct for a reason. But what happens when we bring them all back? That that's what I loved about Jurassic Park. And as a fan of dinosaurs in general, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for somebody to say something. That's like everybody's looking around, like waiting for me to say something. <laughs> Look at this. This is pathetic. <laughs> I said what I needed to fucking say. <laughs> I've said all I needed to say about Jurassic Park. It's fine. <laughs> I like it. I like what they're doing. <laughs> Jake looks like he's ready to take a nap. Uh, I'm, try- I'm trying. I'm hanging in there. I know. We're recording on a Friday night, which is totally different than what we're used to. Usually we're I'm, partying I'm, right now. No, I'm just not. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally just got off an eight-hour shift and drove straight over here. So. Yeah. It's yeah. all right, man. All right, this is going to go down as our worst episode ever. <laughs> I highly doubt that. No, I highly doubt that. <laughs> All right, uh, last thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap up, and then you guys can go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There, Kevin Feige, uh, a few weeks ago, he, uh, I think it was like three, four weeks ago, he said, yeah, we have, we know who's going to be Thanos. Yes. In... Age of Ultron, or Guardians of the Galaxy and Age of Ultron. We know who the actor is, but we can't announce it yet. So today, actually today on Friday when we're recording, the announcement was made that Josh Brolin is going to be Thanos in Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's out there. What are you guys thinking? Let's rate this fucking thing. I'm going to go ahead. All right. You guys don't mind. Go for it. I'm Tupperware in this shit. Um, I, I want to see Josh Brolin in this role. Um, I think he is perfect for this role. I think he looks the part now, whether or not they're going to use him, you know, for, uh, any kind of facial recognition, anything like that with the CGI, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's just going to be boys. I don't think they've, they've said anything about that. I, I could be wrong, but from what I read, they, they don't know, like it, it could be voice. It could be mocap, anything like that. But to me, he looks like Thanos. I think he could deliver it perfectly. Um, I mean, I don't think that they're going to take it anywhere different from what we already saw of him at the end of Avengers. I don't think it's going to be a different-looking Thanos. So I think they're going to probably do the same thing. And I think he could fit into it perfectly. All he did was turn around and kind of grin. Yeah. So there's, the, I mean, they can do motion capture. Yeah, and I think I think even if they did that, like he'd still be fine. You know, I... I I think he could pull it off no problem. He's got he's got that edginess about him. He's got that maturity level about him where I think just I don't know. I like I, there's nothing that worries me about this announcement whatsoever. Yeah, I'll I'll taste it. I mean, I I have I'm not I don't think it's a bad bad idea, but I don't think I'm not ready to tupperware it just yet. 
Now, they've announced he's going to be in both um, Avengers 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Brolin's gonna he be... is going to play a bigger part in Guardians of the Galaxy than he will in Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay, but Brolin's going to be at least in both those movies as Thanos. Right? Very limited in uh, Age of Ultron. Okay. Gotcha. That's the rumor. He'll be he'll play a bigger part in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he could be a good villain. I'm excited to see. I, I think it very well could be a Tupperware. Then why are you why are you giving it a taste it right now? Because I I'm not over the top about it. It doesn't get me excited. Hearing James Brolin as Thanos doesn't get me going. Yeah, you know I'm. It's, you know, I'm no, I'm not. I'm just, I was just curious. It doesn't make me want to like get angry. Like I'm not like, Oh, that's a horrible idea. Yeah. But I'm curious. Right. So, you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in the James Brolin fan club. So you're I, not, cause you're not even saying his name, right? It's Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Clearly not a fan. Yeah. So <laughs> come on, Jake. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know about this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not tossing it. I'm gonna freeze it. I, I, I really don't. I, Ooh, we don't bring that out often. I don't. I'm gonna freeze it. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think he's got the look, and uh, I think he'll do. I think he'll be fine. Um, I like, I like Josh Brolin. I just, I, I'm gonna freeze it. Yeah, I'm gonna freeze it. I, it's, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make me. Like Jake said, it doesn't make me want to do a backflip. I think it's a, I think it's a safe choice. Okay. I think James Spader, when they first announced that, was kind of like a, that was kind of like a, uh, nobody knew what to expect with that, and like we were like, what the fuck, James Spader? That's weird. <laughs> As you know, the more the more he keeps doing like his, you know, the character that he does on the blacklist, the more it makes sense, and the more it's a Tupperware. Josh Brolin, it's kind of like a freeze that I'm going to have to wait on that one, man. I don't know. I think it's a safe pick. Yeah. It's a safe pick. Well, I think if you look at, like, Lee Pace as uh, Ronan, like, who would have thought he would be cool as Ronan? But from what we've seen from the trailer, which isn't a lot. It's not a yeah, lot. We've seen he still walk. looks fucking badass as Ronan. Okay. Yeah, I mean. He looks bad. That's still that's a freeze it for me, too. Yeah. I, I can. It's easy for me to want to say Tupperware because I love him in Pushing Daisies, Jay. He's a great actor. Yeah. But <laughs> his character in Pushing Daisies compared to the character he's going to be playing with Ronan the Accuser. Totally, totally opposite. End I, of the I guess. I guess that's where I'm coming from, Mike. I'm a fucking Josh Brolin fan. I, I love him. Good. I love what he does. I yeah. I think he could pull it off, but at the same time, I don't know. Like reading the comic books and being a fan of Thanos, like who the fuck would play him? I don't know. Like I can't. I can't tell you an actor I want in his place. But when I heard this news, I was like, I think he could pull it off. I can envision him pulling it off. But. That all depends on how much influence he's going to have on the character. If it is going to be CGI and you're not really going to see much of him mm-hmm. acting in that role, then I might have a problem with it, you know. Whereas, like, Groot and Vin Diesel just doing the voice, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. But if this doesn't pull off, and I think they should u- utilize him. I hope they utilize I bet him. we'll see him. I bet we'll see him acting as Thanos. I would hope so. Like, just facial recognition. Like, I think he could do it. It's Josh Brolin. You've got to. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I, and I, I guess we'll see some more of that in Sin City. Like, how does he pull that off? But I want, I like when he talks on screen. I want it to like be kind of fucking scary to like true send a chill down my spine. You want him to be like Darth Vader. He's dark, yeah, man. for sure. Not drunk and relaxed, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. 
But I, I think he has. But I'm not tossing this at all. Yeah. I, I think Josh Brolin's a smart. It's a safe choice in my opinion. Right. Whether it's going to be like the brilliant choice in the end, well, I, I just have to wait and see. I got to hear. I got to hear him and see him before I, I got to freeze this one. I, I think it's a. I think it's a safe choice right now. Right with Spader, like you said, it felt very inventive, and that, and we all kind of grew to like it. Yeah, and we hated with, it first. Yeah, and with this, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem as inventive. No. It just seems like he was kind of the logical choice. They're yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, Josh Brolin. Yeah, cool. this is not like a Heath Ledger Joker cast thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's why I taste it. I mean, it, it doesn't make me upset, but who knows what it's going to be? You know, right? Yeah. I think it's just a safe choice, really, in yeah. my opinion. Like, they're playing it safe at this point. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm just excited. Josh Brolin's in something, I guess. <laughs> sure, I mean, but what does this mean? Uh, guys, do you think we're going to see uh, Adam Warlock anywhere down the line? I, I think they have to at this point. I don't I don't think, like, we all noticed the Easter egg uh, in uh, Thor, Dark yeah, World, Dark World. Of, of the cocoon, yeah. Adam Warlock's cocoon. We all looked that up and said, well, we, we assume, fucking recognize that. We assumed it was a we cocoon. We assumed it, but it looks pretty damn I know, the same I know. as the comic books. Yeah. I think I think if you're going to tell the story of Thanos, you tell the story of Adam Warlock. They go hand in hand to me. There's no difference. Okay, so when are you thinking we're going to get the reveal of Adam Warlock? I don't think it's going to be for another couple movies. I think I think Avengers. I think the Avengers are going to face him in some way, shape, or form, and they're not going to be able to defeat him without somebody like Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. They're not going to be able to defeat him. Maybe there'll be a team divided after Age of Ultron. That's kind of what I'm thinking, is that something happens in that movie where they're shattered, and they go off in their own separate ways, and then they come up still with this threat of Thanos, Guardians of the Galaxy come in, nobody's able to defeat him, bring in somebody like Adam Warlock and Doctor Strange, and then you have the final defeat of Thanos. Otherwise, you don't have it to me. I don't, I don't see how they beat him otherwise. Hmm. What do you think that end credit Guardians of the Galaxy scene is going to be? Could we see him as soon as that? I, I'm thinking it's going to be a post-credit scene in yeah. Age of Ultron, personally. Oh, gotcha. That's still pretty quick, though. That's still one of the next two movies. Right. Yeah. Um, let's look at the post-credit scenes for the movies. So the post-credit scene in Thor The Dark World had to do with Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We saw Collector. Right. Post-credit scene in uh, Captain America. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Which dealt with Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, post-credit scene in Age of Ultron. What's the next movie announced? Guardians of the Galaxy. Is it well? No. Oh, after Age of Ultron? Yeah. Ant-Man. Hmm. That's weird. What the hell could it be? I don't know if it's going to be an Ant-Man reveal, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could be, you know, Thanos was revealed in Avengers 1, and we haven't had follow-up to that until Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, Thanos was revealed in Avengers 1. Maybe the on the flip side of that, it's going to be Adam Warlock. I, I, I was going to say the same thing. It wouldn't be far-fetched for Warlock to be there and still not to see anything more with that for another two, three movies. I mean, right? or, or do you think it's going to be Doctor Strange reveal at the end of Batman? Do you think they'll go that route, Doctor Strange, and then Adam? I'm talking. I'm talking Age of Ultron. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to use Adam Warlock or not. He's such a fringe character. I think you have to, though. If you're a fan of the Infinity Gauntlet, which it seems like this whole story is based upon, 
Right. In yeah. some, you know, it's the Marvel Universe cinematic universe and way of And they possibly it. laid the foundation of the cocoon in the end of Thor the Dark World. Right. And, and, and I mean, like, anyone who's read the comics, I agree that most people don't know who he is, but anyone that's read those comics and knows Thanos knows Adam Warlock. Right. It's yeah. almost like the antithesis to Thanos. They fucking battle each other, and one comes out ahead, you know. Aaron Eckhart, Adam Warlock. Absolutely. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Make it happen. That's God. all I'm saying, man. He's perfect. He's perfect. Fucking A's perfect. <laughs> I think they'll do the whole Infinity Watch thing, you know? You could easily get Drax on that team since they oh, have cast already. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I think we're going to see Drax and Hulk fighting Thanos, but ultimately, I think it's going to be Doctor Strange. Adam Warlock that are going to be the big reveals down the road that are yeah. going to be able to take this guy on finally. I don't know. It's interesting. But yeah, yeah Josh Brolin. God, maybe I, should I rate it? Yeah. I can't. I don't know if I can rate it though. You can freeze him in. That's all right. Just taste it. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I'm ta- I guess I'm tasting Just it. Just nibble on it. But it's like, I don't know, man. I think like, honestly, I have to freeze it because like, it could be really shitty. It could not be what I wanted. Yeah. Because, like, Thanos is a major fucking character, and I want his voice to sound fucking chilling. I want to be, I want to have chills down my spine. Right. When he fucking talks. I mean, this is a guy who's, who's courting death, for mm-hmm. God's sake. Yeah. Right. I, I don't want his voice to, and I'm not saying Josh Brolin's going to sound cheery and shit, but at the same time, when he talks, I want to fucking have a chill down my spine. Right. Like, holy shit, this sounds like a fucking serial killer talking. Right. And that's what he is. Exactly. That's <laughs> He's what he a is. sociopath. So he goes around the universe killing his own fucking children. Right. And with James Spader and Ultron, like, you could see it. Like, eventually you could be like, I could see that guy being that menacing, James Spader. robotic voice. You could yeah. see it. But with, with Josh Brolin, I, I understand. Like, I kind of, like, want a deep voice that would like as soon like if 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 i don't know if you were alone with the guy and it was dark and dimly lit and the guy started talking to you you might urinate yourself right that's the kind of voice i want to hear to the point where you're thinking like i don't know man i'm kind of scared for my bits and pieces let alone face him yeah (laughs) i I had a question for you guys jay was saying that when he thinks thanos the first character he thinks is adam warlock when i think thanos the first character i think is uh death do you think that the movies are going to incorporate that because that seems to be such a huge part of the character it is a huge part of the character yeah do you think they're going to go that dark do you think we'll see a physical embodiment of death in the marvel movies like is so prevalent in the comic books I don't know. I mean, they did say at the end, they they did do the quote. They said he courts death, right? Yeah, yeah that, that was a quote. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe we're gonna get some scenes with him talking to death. I mean, because that's what really sells that relationship in the comic. Oh yeah, is because they're right there, you know, yeah. talking to each other. Yeah. So, yeah. It'd be interesting to see that who who they cast as the voice of death. <sighs> and. I, it, and Oh, Angelina Jolie, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> she fucking is, yeah. <laughs> she is, man, for sure. That'd be a great that'd be a great casting yeah. for death. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting. I, I yeah, I don't want him to be a flat character. I right. mean explore all those crazy things about Thanos that makes it yeah. Thanos for sure. I think they'll do it. I don't think they're stupid about it. So, but Adam Warlock. That's dark, though. That's dark as fuck. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like if he's not doing it all for the love of death, they've already fucked the character up. Yeah. Why even throw that quote out there? Yeah. So I'm excited to see how they're going to interpret that in the movies. Because yeah. that's something that's so, like, 
prevalent in the comics. They got to step their game up now after fucking X Men: Days of Future Past. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. they do. They got to step it up, dude. I can I can put that toe to toe with Avengers. You know, I can. Yeah. I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but I can. I can uh, enjoy both of them equally. Yeah, in different ways. Yeah, they're I so enjoy, different. They're so different. I enjoy them in different ways. But I mean, like I had been waiting for an X Men movie, a good X Men movie, for so long. That's what made this so satisfying. X-Men Days of Future Past is so fucking satisfying because it was like, finally, this is a great X-Men film. Yeah. And X-Men First Class was really good. Don't get me wrong. But there's still shit in that movie I didn't like either. I didn't like January Jones' Emma Frost. No. No. Those scenes right there kind of took me out of the movie. Anytime she was in the movie, it took me out. Right. Yeah, and you always have more fun once you get to part two of anything, too. Like, they didn't have to... like. Days of Future Past did not spend any time setting up any of these characters. It yeah. just threw you right into You it. understood all the subtle things that were in that movie. That's what was cool about it, too. Just the looks people gave each other, and you're yeah. like, I understand what he's doing. Did you see that um, our listener, uh, uh, was it Brandon Hanks? He revealed what the fourth item was in that uh, facility. Oh, yeah. The, oh, I did see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. It was uh, uh, the coin that Magneto right. used to kill Sebastian. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. I told you guys it was the size of a button. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was bugging the fuck out of you. It was totally bugging the shit <laughs> out of me. I'm surprised he wouldn't want to grab that, too. <laughs> Saw that shit on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just want to, like, and, like, you think about, is is Apocalypse going to be as cool as Thanos? Like, they got to contend now with Apocalypse yeah. in the next movie, so he's got to be awesome. He yeah. has to be, because Apocalypse is one of the coolest visual villains I, of all time. I'm, I, after the, after listening to the interviews with Lauren Schuler Donner, I think they get it now. Yeah. I, I think Fox finally gets it. I think Sony's behind the game now. Really? Yeah, definitely. I do. Look at look at the studios, man. I mean, I think I think Sony's behind the game now. They got to play catch up, man. It's true. Yeah, they're the ones who's got to play catch up now. Do you think that's why they're trying to push something for 2015 with Spider Man already? Like just right out the gate. Do you think that's why they're doing that? Like to rush it to be like we got to be on par with this now? I think they're rethinking the whole Spider Man franchise already again. Really? I, I think so. After I think after uh, Marvel has come out and done what they've done so amazing with you know like uh, Avengers and Cap Three, and now even seeing what X Men has done, they're the ones that are behind on this, man. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, for sure. They are. I mean, they are. And, like, all this is coming out this week. Like, we're going to, there's a new, you know, we don't, we're not not titled Spider-Man kind of thing going on in 2015. I think it is a result of Days of Future Past where it's like, we, we've got nothing. If we can't contend with these guys. Well, I mean, uh, critically, I mean, just go to Rotten Tomatoes and look at, like, how Avengers and Cap 3 have performed completely. And and X Men Days of Future Past have performed compared to Spider Man Two. Audiences are kind of split on that, dude. Yeah, yeah Spider Man Two. I gave it a taste. It yeah. like I, like I said, there's fifty percent I love, fifty percent that was twenty five percent that was yeah, and then like twenty five percent I hated. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there was it was definitely not a Tupperware in my opinion. Right. No. No, I think Tupperware in that sells other movies short when you Tupperware them at that point. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely didn't deserve it. I mean, to give. Yeah, I mean, I know you Tupperware to Jay, mm-hmm. but I mean, if I'm comparing Amazing Spider-Man 2 to X-Men Days of Future Past, there's no fucking comparison. Right, and and I think that's I think that's what they're really rushing this expanded Spider-Man universe, because he's kind of by himself. Like, well, I think that happened before 
X Men blew up. I mean, they, I think Avengers, they're, they're, they're yeah. trying to they're trying to get some of that Avengers money. Right, right. But I think this just solidified it. Like, holy shit! I think it's. <laughs> I think Sony's. I, I, I Lawrence Euler Donner gets it now. Yeah, they get it now. I think I think Fox has got it. I think they've got it, kind of got their formula, and it's so different than fucking Marvels. But man, it is. they've yeah. got, they've got it, man. Yep. Yeah, that movie was so damn good. I'm excited to see the next X Men movie now. So am I. I'm excited to see the next Wolverine movie. How is that fucking possible? Oh, <laughs> true. <laughs> I know. What the possibilities are endless now. Yeah. Even though it is, it's James Mangold coming back to do it. Yes. But I hope. <sighs> I'm ex- I'm still excited. I'm still excited too. I'm still excited. I don't think there's no way in hell he's not going to be influenced by what's happened. I mean, Hugh Jackman said he's the most excited he's ever been, and he was wanting to quit again. Like yeah. he was talking about, I'm going to leave it, and now he's like, I love playing this character. But I tossed the Wolverine. Yeah, I tasted it, I, and I, I think Manigold's smart enough that he'll take. It, it'll be a challenge for him. He'll take those criticisms and try to make a better Wolverine movie. Yeah, I, I really think he will. You know, so we'll, see. well, we know it's not going to be in Japan. Yeah, what are they going to do? I don't know. Who knows? Do you think Deadpool is going to be involved in this at all? Well, okay, no, Pat, I don't think they're going to shoot. We never saw Weapon X. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. How does this change everything for him? Even that's the big question. Like, what has happened? What's going to happen to him? And how does that change how his solo movies go from here on out? Because basically, that's a fresh slate too, right? See, the thing is, I don't think that they can revisit Weapon X, though, because, like, that's not the Logan that we saw from the film. Because, like, basically how this all went down was Professor X, when he saw Wolverine again, that was the Wolverine that came back. Everything else before that, he did not experience. Okay. So whatever happened... Do you, do, am I making yeah, sense? You're making exact sense. And they explain that at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Only the person that travels back in time yes. will keep the in their brain the timeline of right. everything that had happened. So it would be pointless to see Weapon X at that point. Yeah. Right. Because the Wolverine that we saw in Days of Future Past, he came back at that very moment in the school. You know what? That's I just thought of this, but that's very fascinating how much that makes Wolverine like the comic book Wolverine, where now in the movies he has this entire past that he can't remember. Yeah. Due to his, due to his time travel. Yeah. So yeah. that's really kind of a neat. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Damn it, Brian Singer. <laughs> but yeah, that, that like just opens up all kinds of possibilities. Like It could be any story at this point. It doesn't yeah. have to even continue off the Wolverine. It could be anything. Would you guys have guessed that fucking Brian Singer would have gave Joss Whedon a run for his money? Especially when it came to Quicksilver. Yeah. I'm not even looking forward to Aaron Taylor Johnson's yeah. depiction of Why Quicksilver. would you even care at this point? Not, yeah. quite, not, <laughs> not quite on the same dialogue level as Whedon's movie. Right. But everything else, oof. He has his brilliant moments that are very shining. Like, Whedon is good all the way through, for the most part. But Singer, he has these moments where it's like, damn it, you motherfucker. That was great. That whole movie was Tupperware for me, though. Oh, yeah. From start to finish. But he hits those highlights where you're not expecting, especially in this, after all we knew about him not caring about backstory or source material. I I think we saw, I think we saw Brian Singer... I think we saw Brian Singer finally say, you know what, I'm going to give these characters justice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think it helped that Kinsberg wrote such a great script, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think the studio is aware of that, finally. Like you said, they're aware that we've got to pay attention to what these stories actually are and these characters actually are. Money motivates, guys. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Think about it. <laughs> when it comes to characters, Marvel Studios, honestly, they, they've got the Hulk, which is like probably should be the biggest name that they got, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Thor should not be... People should not care about Thor. They people do. should not care about Iron Man. Yeah. Captain America is probably second to Hulk. Yeah. But, like, look who everybody loves. I mean, everybody loves all those characters. The X-Men, though? Holy fuck. You should be making fucking billions off the X-Men. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. All kinds of solo movies and all kinds of side movies. I think that Lauren Schuler Donner saw what Marvel Studios did with the Avengers, and they're like, you know what? Are we going to fucking make good movies? Are we going to give comic book fucking fans what they want? Or are we just going to let the X-Men keep making less money with each film, which they were doing? Yeah. yeah. They weren't making as much like as they were. Those movies were losing mo- money. Oh, yeah. Are we going to let them revert back to Marvel? Or are we going to fucking step up our game? And they stepped their game up. And I love the competition now. Yeah. I don't want... Now I don't want the X-Men to revert back to Marvel. No. Let them have six more years. Please. Absolutely. I want to see Fox and Marvel battle it out and step up their game. And maybe this will make Sony realize, hey, holy shit, we got to do something with Spider-Man. Something a little bit different. We got to step this up. Or Sony can just fucking say, you know what? We got to sell Spider-Man off because we're not doing the character justice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a very good chance Spider-Man could go back to Marvel in the next 10 years. I don't know if Sony's ever going to want to give up Spider-Man, dude. Yeah. Even a shitty Spider-Man movie is going to make money. Yeah. Ugh. That's true. I know. It's it's upsetting. But, man, can you imagine Spider-Man going to Marvel? Oh, be the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. It's like Superman coming back to DC or something. I mean, it's just that. That is Marvel. You know, Spider-Man is Marvel. So. Yeah. <sighs> Tough call. They they could just be they they could also play the game of we're just going to give people enough. You know they could keep doing that. Like pe- we know people are going to go see it, but they're doing what they can to expand the universe. The only problem is the Spider Man expanded universe is. It, I mean, you're, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with the Sinister Six. You're Very dealing limited. with like okay. Do you want to see a Morbius movie? Right. Do you want to see a Venom movie? That's all they got. Yeah. yeah they're doing what they can. It's just they don't. They don't have like. They don't have like another character that they can really pull in. It's very weird. Like all of the other people Spider Man would hang out with are, are all going to have their own Netflix. Series. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you know. That's what I mean. He feels very much alone at Sony. Yeah, like yeah. just totally outcast from everybody else. Where yeah. as X Men, at least they have each other. Avengers, they have each other. Who else did Sony have at one point? Ghost Rider. Did yeah, you, bring him in there. <laughs> did anybody care about a fucking Ghost Rider Spider Man team up? That's no. fucking weird. Todd McFarlane cared. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he looked cool when he drew him, but they, not in the movie. They can't do it anymore because Ghost Rider's back at Marvel. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know, that's that's the thing. I mean, the oh, and we heard that uh, Charlie Cox is going to yeah. be playing Daredevil, Daredevil. now. Yep. Yeah. So Stardust. Does anybody watch? Yeah, Stardust. That's the only thing I know him from. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't even seen that. Boardwalk. He was in Boardwalk Empire, which I never, I've never seen an episode of Boardwalk Empire. I, I haven't got enough from him as an actor to be like he's going to be good or bad. So I, I have nothing, you know, yeah, to say either way. That's a freeze it. I have no idea. It's um, a freeze it for me. Yeah. 
As long as he's a good, I mean, he was great in Stardust. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. Stardust is a movie I watched once. I liked it. I've never like thought to myself, "Oh, gotta watch that again." Right. I'm not rushing out to go watch it again. But if it came on TV, I might stop and watch yeah, it. Yeah, I, I watched it because the book, Neil Gaiman's book. Yeah, he wrote it. It was a great fucking book. Um, but he's never, yeah, like the actor himself. There's nothing that stands out about him. So I, I'm curious as to how he's gonna yeah. play it. Well, people that watch Boardwalk Empire might know different. That's so. true. That's I true. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still excited about it. But yeah, Spider-Man, he's in, he's in his own thing, and they, they've really got to step it up, or they will lose him. I think absolutely. I don't know. I'll just reboot him. Brian's convinced me. It's They could reboot him until the end of time, it, though, couldn't they? Jace, yeah. Sony, I mean, Sony needs Spider-Man, dude. Yeah. It's yeah. Spider-Man. You could put out anything. It's Spider-Man. Kids are going to see Spider-Man. That's yeah. true. That's true. He's going to make money. And the toys alone are just insane. Yeah. yeah. Kids are going to buy Spider-Man toys. And I mean, the Spider-Man toys, when you go down the Spider-Man aisle, if you go to Target, you go to Walmart, you go to Toys R Us, you go down the Spider-Man aisle, all you're going to see is a bunch of different Spider-Mans in different suits. Yeah. That's Kids true. are still going to buy these Spider-Man toys. You go down the Iron Man aisle... You're just going to see a bunch of different Iron Man suits. Kids aren't buying Iron Man toys like they're buying Spider-Man toys. Right. That's true. Yeah, it is true. Spider-Man gets a video game. Yeah. Do you, has Iron Man gotten a video game? It was really crap. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. Well, the Spider-Man games aren't great either. <laughs> no, but they, they were still way better. sell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Spider-Man is a huge deal. I don't I don't think honestly I'll be right. I'll just say I don't ever see Sony leaving. I don't see Sony losing Spider-Man unless Disney says, "All right, let's best open the bank. Let's let's spend billions to get Spider-Man back." Right. That's, I, guess, I guess the question is can they ever do it right though can they ever give it justice and do it completely right that's, well i guess that's the question i think it's impossible to get spider-man right in well, a movie well to make it you know a fully realized marvel character all by himself in his own spider-man world fair yeah. enough right. fair enough right yeah but i mean if you're taking spider-man stories if you take like the spider-man stories that we grew up and we love with just spider-man i mean you could do craven's last hunt yeah. You know, you could do like the, you know, the Venom symbiote story. You could do like even Spider-Man's origin and do it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I mean, but to play devil's advocate in Amazing Spider-Man number one, Spider-Man tries to join the Fantastic Four. So it's not like I'm going like out of left field saying that he belongs with these with these other characters and that it's not right without them. No, yeah. no, 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 no. But I'm saying there are some good standalone Spider-Man stories that they could pull from. That's yeah. true. That's true. He has been a loner in the past for and sure. I know he's been he's in, been in the Avengers. He's been in FF. I mean, I get that. I think he would work better working off of like different characters in the Marvel universe. That's yeah. what I would love to see. But Sony's not going to let him go. I don't ever see Sony letting him go no. unless Disney says. Unless Disney says we're breaking open the we're breaking open the bank and we're gonna we're gonna give you a ton of money to get him back. And I'm talking billions. Oh, yeah. it'd be like the Star Wars deal, right? It would be huge. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> quite a predicament. It's just it? sad. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that is the saddest part about the Spider-Man movies is that the separation. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's why we don't see Spider-Man quipping the way we want to see him quip, because he's got no one to quip to. <laughs> yeah. Except himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Are we going to talk about Maleficent? Yeah. All right? Yeah. You want it? Yeah. Okay. You didn't get to see it. I yet. didn't. I want to see it, though. Yeah. Okay. I saw it today. Okay. I saw it yesterday. You saw it yesterday. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Maleficent. So Maleficent came out a couple days ago. Yeah. And it's uh, 
Well, let's just talk about it. I mean, I, we don't have to break down the entire movie, but uh, did you want to rate it? Yeah, I'll rate it. I, I'm going to go ahead. Oh, man. I, I've, I've been struggling with this one. I'm going to give it a low taste it. Okay. I had really high expectations, and I I was just kind of bored by it. I really... I thought Angelina Jolie was great. I wasn't a fan of the artistic direction of a lot of the stuff. Just the way a lot of the creatures they showed us looked and everything. Hmm. And it kind of drugged for me. I mean, for a 90-minute movie, I was getting really antsy towards the end of it. <laughs> Um, the ending was really frustrating to me. I thought it ended the exact same way Frozen ended. I've, I've never seen Frozen. It's the same ending. They're going to have the prince be the one that... Spoiler. Yeah. The prince is what... You know, the prince is going <laughs> to save her. And it's instead her sister. And it's the same thing here. It's You think it's the prince, but it's instead the love of um, Maleficent that saves her. It's like the exact same thing. Okay. And I thought that was pretty crazy. Yeah. It's like the next movie after Frozen, and it's the same ending. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen Frozen. I, 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 I'm going to give it a taste it, too. Um, not a low taste it. I'm going to give it a taste it. Uh, I had fun. I enjoyed it. Um, it's not a Tupperware, I mean. But I think Maleficent does for Sleeping Beauty what Wicked did for... Um, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I see that comparison. I I wanted to Tupperware this movie though. I'm a big fan of all the classical Disney stuff, uh-huh. Sleeping Beauty included, and I really wanted it to be the Wicked, things, Sleeping Beauty. There were things I really enjoyed. I I, I enjoyed the uh, um, the girl that the little girl that played uh, Maleficent when she was a child. Oh yeah, looked just like Angelina Jolie, and she did a great job. Um, you know, I think this was a great alternate version of the Sleeping Beauty story. The story, like, that we didn't get to see. It was a little deeper than Sleeping Beauty, where everything's just kind of, like, black and white. This is kind of like, you know, you're getting to see a side of Maleficent that you didn't get to see in the cartoon. I also liked, like, the reveal, like, when, you know, when she does get burned by the king. And and when she shows up at the... uh, (laughs) The, uh, what is it? The, uh, when the baby is born and yeah. everybody's giving the baby the gift and she shows up and she's got like that green mist behind her, like the drums pounding behind her and things like that. Yeah. It's a movie where I wouldn't see, I didn't see myself like going in there rooting for her. Like I didn't see that they were going to take it in this direction. Gotcha. Um, I had no idea that it was going to go in this direction. So I'm actually like rooting for the so-and-so villain. And I like how it tied back to the beginning of the film where they said the person that would bring balance to everything um it would either be uh the person like the 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 good the hero or the bad villain and she turned out to be both at one time (laughs) so i mean i thought it was really cool um and then i loved it when they were like in the 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 fairyland or whatever like that oh yeah i just kept thinking to myself like man if i was a kid watching this there's so much eye candy and so many things like growing up and watching like the never-ending story and like looking at all the different characters and things like that and i wanted to learn more about them and yeah yeah see i you know i love the artistic direction in say the never-ending story uh-huh the way like the dragon looks like in that the rock creature looks like in that yeah i didn't think anything in this looked that fantastical and great i it's a lot of stuff looked very off-putting to me. Like the three colored fairies, the red, the blue, and the green fairy, mm-hmm. were almost disturbing to me in CG. Like they reminded me of the talking baby in the commercials, the way it was like shrunken actors' heads in CG and stuff. 
And I, I just had a big problem with the art direction. It was really distracting to me. I liked, uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting way to show them. I mean, you, they, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I didn't, I just didn't see why they just couldn't be like the actors, smaller versions of them flying around would have been less distracting than like messing with the proportions of their heads on different Mm -hmm. bodies and stuff. It looked bizarre to me. I don't know. They spent too much time focused on them. I thought it didn't bother me really. Yeah. If, if if the camera wasn't on Angelina Jolie, I was bored to tears. Huh? No, I mean, yeah, she was the main draw of the film in my opinion. I'm not like a huge Angelina Jolie. Oh, I'm not either. I, I can't remember the last, maybe Tomb Raider was the last Angelina Jolie movie I saw. Uh, so yeah, I didn't watch Salt. Yeah, I didn't see Salt. <laughs> no, I saw Mister Mister Mrs. Mrs. Smith. Smith. Yeah, I guess that yeah. probably be the last one I saw. Yeah, I don't, I'm not rushing out to see her movies. She was in. I didn't even watch. Uh, I I own this movie, Alexander, and I never watched it. Oh, gotcha. Totally I forgot about it. that. Yeah, I, the Oliver Stone. Yeah, yeah. I own it, and I never watched it. It's worth seeing. It's still in the wrapping. It's worth seeing. I have a ton of movies that are still in the <laughs> yeah. I actually have a bunch of movies that are still in the yeah. wrapping, too. I own Stealth, and I've never watched it. <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't watched it. With either. Jamie Foxx? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never watched it. No, I like it. I give it a taste. It. it um, I don't know. I didn't see it in 3D. Yeah, I, I want to thank Carmike, by the way, for letting me in for free to the... Uh, I saw it in IMAX 3D. Okay. Oh wow. How did, so did you did it look good in IMAX? It looked good. Yeah. Visually, like the three D looked good and it wasn't distracting. It was the the visual direction more than the three D that I didn't care for. What did you think of Elle Fanning? She was okay. Yeah. And nothing major. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think Angelina Jolie was like the standout performance. And I like the dude that played the crow. He was cool. Yeah, the crow guy was okay. I thought the guy that played um what's the guy's name that that becomes the king that wrongs her in the first place. Well he's the dude from fucking you know, District Nine. Yeah. Uh the A team. He was also the bad guy in uh the Matt Damon movie that came out last year. Oh shit. Um, Elysium. 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 He was he was worthless. Kruger. Yeah. Kruger. Yeah, Kruger. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Kruger from Elysium. Yeah. I wanted better imagery. So what 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 was it? Was it like cartoony like imagery with the with the real actors? Is that kind of what it was? Ask him. He's really like, heavily manipulated. He's got he's CG. got he's got the problem with it. <laughs> I thought it looked. I thought it looked pretty. Well, I'm just asking both of you. Did, was it on par with like a Disney movie that you would normally see? Was it kind of that cartoony or no? I mean, Pixar-y like, kind of effect. I mean, what was it? To compare it to like Narnia, I mean, Narnia uses a lot of CG, but it's never distracting. Uh-huh. I thought this looked very Narnia, honestly. Yeah, I do. I think like the battle scenes were like the 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 tree army, the ants, the ants. Yeah, they, it looked all. It looked like Narnia to me. Yeah. And you got the, like the the worm dragon tree thing going in and out of the ground and fighting yeah. them. It looked all and I thought the dragon at the end actually looked really good. Uh, the dragon at the end did look really good. The inset piece was really fun. Yeah. But you know, that was also a darker scene. Yeah. I think it's easier to pull off in the dark. I mean, all the scenes that like in the fairyland or whatever, it's all during the daytime for the most part. And it's harder to pull that kind of shit off where it's all colorful and bright without it not looking CG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It was just it wasn't that it looked fake, it was just the design of the way it looked. Yeah, that I did not like. None of the creatures stood out. 
there's all kinds of different unique creatures that they're trying to show you. But none of them really stood out. What I liked was, like, the fact that, okay, so Maleficent, okay, she's this little girl, and she meets the, the human boy. Yeah. Okay? And her and the human boy, they start to form this relationship, okay? And they start to become really good friends, and they play and shit. Mm-hmm. By the time they turn 16, sh- sh- they kiss. So here's Maleficent. You know, she's this fairy, and she kisses this human boy, and she thinks it's love's true kiss. Well, f- come to find out, it's not. Right. Okay? And he turns out to be a complete douchebag. And so I think, like, the rest of the movie is just, like, I think it's, like, every woman's dream to, like, you know, have all these fucking powers and come back at the asshole that fucking, uh, like, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and he's gone. Right. You know? And, uh, you know, that's what it kind of felt like. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, like, uh, she she didn't take that walk of shame and walk away. She came back right at the dude and fucking wanted to take him out for being a douchebag. And I kind of, I liked it, man. She was a fucking empowered fucking character. Mm-hmm. And I liked that about her. Mm-hmm. I liked Maleficent. I, yeah. like I said. Just artistically. Yeah. You didn't like the art. Yeah. Artistic she was stuff. good. She played the character great. When that character was the focus of the movie, I was okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of times when the character wasn't the focus, surprisingly, I thought. Yeah, I guess. I, I like it. I give it a taste of it. It wasn't like uh, the most amazing movie I've seen. It's definitely not a Tupperware. I taste it, too. I mean... You gave it a low taste. It's a low taste, Chief. I'm giving it a taste. I'm giving it a taste. Oh, I think it's a, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a good kids movie, too. I mean, if I was a kid, it's not like, you know, it's not like Never Ending Story when we grew up. But, it you know, they can't... They're not going to do that. We're not going to see movies like that anymore. Yeah. We're not going to see practical effects like that anymore, man. Yeah. But I think, like, when they first showed that fairyland and stuff like that, just like the, the, even Elle Fanning, when she's hanging out on that fucking cliff and there's like that fucking dragon thing, like, it, it looked like it was like swimming in water. That little dragon that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, I, man, it, that thing, the, the, just the creature design on that was beautiful. Yeah. I was just like, that is amazing. I thought it was very amazing. I liked it. Yeah. I None of the creature design did it for me, really. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. I'm excited about seeing it. I mean, even with both what you guys are seeing. Oh, you should see it. Yeah. looks Sounds, sounds awesome, yeah. still. I think, I mean, she looked great as Maleficent. I thought the tree ants looked pretty badass. Um, I like how we're just going ahead and calling them ints now. Yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> that's what they are. Yeah, yeah. that's what they are. For sure, for sure. <laughs> no, I liked it, man. I'll definitely, I'll watch it again too. I'll watch it a second time. Sounds like fun. I wanted to see it in 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw the trailers in 3D and it looked really cool. And I was like, man, this, oh, yeah. this looks as like 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 you said what I would love seeing as a kid. Just kind of that visual, but. I understand what you're saying. Like artistically, sometimes it doesn't work for you or personally, whatever. But it still sounds like an intriguing story. I think it started off really, really good and started off strong, and then towards the end, it kind of trailed off a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I loved Wicked. I saw Wicked in the, and right. I went to the musical and I saw that, and I thought it was great. And I, th- I think Maleficent does. Um, you know, for Sleeping Beauty, what uh, Wicked did for The Wizard of Oz. And I really like seeing, like, uh, you know, different things on how they play out. Yeah, the other side. The, of the other story. side. Yeah. The other side. And I thought that this was an interesting way to tell that story. I loved it when she had her wings and she would fly up into the clouds. She looked, like, angelic. She looked like an angel. Yeah. Even with the horns, she looked like an angel. And they showed that scene a couple times. And 
I thought that was very cool. The I, final flight at the very end, I thought looked really great in the 3D. Yeah. Just when you get the one. I didn't, yeah, I didn't see it in 3D. God, but see, that's the thing. Like, as I'm fucking watching it, dude, I'm like, shit, man. I wish I'd have bought that 3D ticket. Yeah. <laughs> just seems like one of those that you have to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up. Wrap this piece. Wrap it up. And just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you. Later, y'all. Thanks. They're going to hate this one. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. (laughs) No, they're not. Yeah. There was nothing bad about this one. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. This episode sucked dick. It did not. It did not. I'm still recording, too. It was so good. No, it wasn't. It was fucking horrible. No. Dude, it wasn't. They're going to hate it. Somebody's gonna hate it. Send, yeah, oh yeah, there's always some. <laughs> there's always some we're gonna hear from him too, believe me. I didn't like it. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there. Comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you. And check us out on Tumblr, too, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Instagram, too. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. Leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it, toss it, good it, taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing Leftovers Podcasts that are original and good Have already been done before So we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap Even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers Picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Do we 
love it, hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Go ahead and start talking, John. Okay, I'm here. Um, I just watched the Flash trailer. I won't tell you what I think about it till we talk about it, but I am caught up. All right, John, uh, that's enough, he- man. Okay. <laughs> hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that records an hour and a half worth of content and it goes down the fucking drain like a turd when you flush <laughs> the toilet. That's exactly what happened. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. And we're, we're the Leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, so, yeah, we lost an hour and a half worth of content, and you guys will never hear it. It was good pop, bad pop. We didn't get in the news, so, uh, It was kind of great pop, bad pop. Yeah. Fantastic shit, but we have different... Yeah, we keep telling people about, like, oh, yeah, dude, that's what we need to do, is just tell people, like, oh, my God, you missed it. It was, like, the most amazing segments you've ever heard. We blew our minds. When, in all actuality, it just compares with our other lackluster episodes that we put out. (laughs) About like being that geeky kid saying, "Yeah, I got a girlfriend, but she goes to another school." Nobody knows you're here yet, Frank. <laughs> yeah, oh. we we haven't now introduced. They, we yet. haven't even introduced. Is you this yet. Days of Future Past? <laughs> <laughs> now you're now you're just talking like you're like you're leftover. Who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> just jumping in. Everybody's like, "Who's this?" Oh, it's Frank's back. What oh, the fuck? Oh. <laughs> Brian didn't announce him. I'm not smart right. enough to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, Frank's back with us. So. Welcome back, Frank. In case you didn't know. <laughs> All right. So Frank Hammer is back with us. So uh, Frank, how was? Uh, welcome back to the show. First off, yeah. Welcome back. Well, Frank. Well, thanks for welcoming yourself back. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for having me. Over anxious son of a bitch. We love you though. We I love, love you. you. How was your week, man? We already, I already, found, we already knew how your week was when we recorded previously. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. But no, just tell the listeners how your week was. Right. Uh, just really busy and, uh, really didn't get to catch up on a whole lot. Uh, but my, uh, highlight of the week was, uh, looking forward to getting to see my first movie by myself. Uh, but we will be doing that later. Yep. That's right. Welcome back, Frank Hammer. Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Hammer time. Frank Hammer time. <laughs> and uh, a listener that actually, uh, he hasn't, uh, you know, just jumped out there and uh, made his presence known to the listeners yet. You know, he, you know, he's kind of holding back and, you know, he knows how the show goes. He knows the flow. He knows the rating system. He knows how this works. Even though he's only been on one previous podcast, it's almost like he's a, he's a pro. That knows when to, he knows when to hold him, he knows when to fold him. Mr. John Woods, welcome back, John Woods. Hello, everybody. John, welcome back. And, uh, how'd your week go, buddy? It was good. Also, just staying busy, working every day, watching TV at night, catching up on everything I can't catch up on. Looking forward to talking to you guys again, again. And, uh, <laughs> hopefully this time it'll stick. It's gonna stick this time. It's gonna stick like a blue waffle. <laughs> that shit is sticky. It's totally sticky. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna stick this time. We're gonna export while we're every half hour. Yeah, 
So there's going to be a there's going to be a half hour break uh, that we need to. But yeah, we totally missed out on uh, an hour and a half of good pop, bad pop. Which wow, that's a long good pop, bad pop segment that you'll never get to hear. Yeah, sorry about that. Unfortunate, but uh, yeah, whatever. Fuck it, it's gone. Um, you know, I didn't get to finish my good pop, bad pop. So how, about I, how about I finish it right now? Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about. Uh, I saw a trailer. Uh, I want to talk about a trailer for a new show. It's coming out this fall. It's on Fox, and I can't wait to see it. It's called The Last Man on Earth, mm-hmm. and it stars Saturday Saturday yeah, gosh Saturday Night Live alumni Will Forte. Yes, uh, you'll remember him as MacGruber on Saturday Night Live. He also starred in the film Nebraska with Bob Odenkirk, which is a great movie. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen it, I saw it in theaters. You definitely need to rent it. Anybody seen that here? Yeah, fucking hilarious. No. Love it. Love it. You loved it? Oh, yeah. John, did you see it? I didn't get to see Nebraska, but I've seen MacGruber, and I'm a big Will Forte fan. I saw MacGruber in the theater. Yeah. Totally did. Fucking Forte, Odenkirk. Yeah. Check that oh, fucking movie out. Awesome. Come on. Awesome movie. You know that woman uh, that played his mother had never been in anything before? Really? That was like – I think that was like her first – She was fucking awesome. Thing. She was really good. Yeah. Um now it's 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 called the last man on earth and and, and it, the show is exactly what it sounds like uh he plays Phil Miller uh who is literally the last man on earth mm-hmm. um the trailer shows parts of his day as the last man on earth uh he's seen in the trailer in an empty grocery store and he's loading his cart with food and supplies it's like he's like in a Whole Foods or yeah. a, a county market or something like that, and he's just loading it with like food, supplies, things that he'll need, and it's just crazy because the shelves are stocked. It's not like you're watching like uh, The Walking Dead where like everything's been ransacked already. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he's just the last man on earth, and wow. everything's the shelves are just full of food, and everything's there. Yeah, and uh, he walks past the adult book book section, the adult book section <laughs> in this store. <laughs> And he sees like some like hustler type books, and they show him like basically laying his cart down to us to the side and emptying out the cart, and he just loads up on those books. <laughs> uh, he's then they show him later on he's eating like a peanut butter sandwich, and he's in an art museum and he's staring at like a priceless piece of art. Mm. I'm not sure who it is. It's probably like a Van Gogh or something like that. And he decides to take the priceless piece of art with him. And so he like just grabs it off the wall, <laughs> but he's got some peanut butter on his thumb and he smears it on the painting itself. No. And he tries wiping it off. <laughs> they they then cut to like a scene of Will Forte and he's at Dodger Stadium and he gets on the field and he takes out this megaphone and he starts to sing the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he does it like really exaggerated and yeah. he's not doing like the whole Roseanne Barr thing where he's making a mockery of it. Like he's right. really trying. But as he's singing it, there are shots of large cities across the world and like they show like Paris. Um, you know, they show the Golden Gate Bridge and there's no cars on it or anything like that. No movement from anybody. Wow. And so it's just across the world, there's no signs of human life at all. Um, I found the trailer really interesting and funny at the same time. Uh, but my question is, like, this is going to be on Fox. It's going to start in the fall. How long can you honestly have a show run if he's the only one on the planet? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, they could tap into all sorts of things that you would do if nobody was watching. 
I mean, I can see them devoting some time to him hopping in a high-powered sports car and just driving through the streets as fast as he can because there's nobody to hit. Yeah, but, I mean, these are just like, okay, I get it. Every week I'm watching him experience something else that he wouldn't be able to experience, but there's nobody there to talk to. Are there going to be flashback scenes where he's interacting with somebody? Is there actually going to be somebody else on Earth with him? But how can you call it last man on Earth unless there's, like, maybe a female out there? But it... You know, I, I just don't know how long you can have this show go with him just being the last person and talking to himself. I mean, it's going to be like the first maybe half hour to 45 minutes of uh, I Am Legend. Yeah. But he eventually meets uh, a woman and her son. So, I mean, how how is this – how are they going to play this in a full season? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, if he's already loading up on porn – <laughs> that's already an right. issue rather than food and supplies and shit that he needs. But it, I mean, like, yeah, I can see a couple weeks of like exploring like what he's doing. Yeah. And, and I can, I can imagine myself in that character, like what I would do if I was the last man on earth. Like, right. I'd totally do some shit that I wouldn't have done, done normally, but like for a long period of time, I don't see that being like, a compelling story. Yeah, I can't watch like you know this can't go on four or five seasons. Yeah, bring it, bring in like a female and like have them start this weird kind of first family situation, which would get even way more bizarre when you think about it. Yeah, wow. but how is he even even going to meet her? Like if he's in Los Angeles where it takes place, I mean, you know, because he's at Dodger Stadium. But like, how, where's this last female on Earth? Where yeah. is she? Well, is she in another country? He's got nothing to do because there's no people to interact with, so the only thing to do is to go see things he's never seen. Yeah, but how, okay, if, if it's just him and maybe one other person, how right. is he even going to get into contact with this person, Frank? On accident. Maybe she's doing the same thing. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It's just if they're constantly moving, he's constantly moving. Yeah. The the, the the chances of anyone meeting up with one another in a big world, yeah, right. for sure, yeah, in a big world. I mean, well, yeah. Has anybody seen the trailer for this other than me? No, I haven't no. seen it. What the fuck do you guys do? I, I don't know, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> you don't know what you do, John? Have, have you seen this, John? <laughs> I haven't seen the trailer, but I saw Will Forte on Seth Meyers, and he he talked about it at length. He didn't say anyone else would be in the show. He kept saying that how it would just be him. But I can't imagine that lasting very long. It would be very boring after a while. As fun as it sounds, I would like to see him experience all these things. It, what is he going to do, talk to himself? Is there going to be a voiceover maybe, his inner, inner monologue? Just one person on a show. I don't think it would work for that long. Exactly. He's going to have to run into somebody. Yeah, it's a, it's a very short-sighted kind of – I don't know. I just can't – I don't see this having like staying power. Yeah, it's a cool concept. Cool concept. Yeah, yeah I agree. But I can't really sit here and say that I want to watch a show where it's just – I can't really get behind a show where I'm thinking like it's just going to be one guy. Yeah. You know? Right. I mean as much as I love Castaway, it was just a two-hour movie with a guy on an island by himself doing this. We're talking about a weekly television series. Yeah. Okay. And Will, Will Forte is great. Like, you know, like he can – Yeah, but I'm, he's no Tom Hanks. He's not going to pull it off like consecutively. Like who, who the fuck – like did they plan any of this out? Like is this all laid out? Like how this is going to go down? Right. I, I just – yeah. I mean it, it would be interesting for a couple of weeks. It would be like what, what would you do if you were, you know, the last man on earth? But to continue to do that as a series and, and be funny and compelling yeah. – uh, I don't know. It's a good idea. Right. Great idea, but as a short, you know. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that one. It's going to be on Fox. Something new, something different. Yeah, I give it a shot. That's enough for me to want to watch it. Is that it's a different kind of concept? And like, can yeah. they fucking pull this off? Is enough for me to watch well, it? Brian K. Vaughn did write, you know, uh, why? Yeah, the last man. last man standing. So yeah, that's true. You're not cooking. Yeah, you. Pork chop sandwiches. Oh shit! Get the fuck out of here! What are you doing? Go! Get the fuck out of here, you stupid idiot! Fuck! We're all dead! Get the fuck out! My God, did that smell good? Detective, did you know going and you tell me do things I done running? G.I. Joe! Hey, we're back. We're done bitching. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into news. Um, a lot of news came out this week. Let's do some quick news. Uh, it looks like the Halo series that's being produced by Steven Spielberg will be released in the fall of 2015 on Xbox Live and possibly Showtime. Ooh. Uh, the show will, quote, stand alone as well as complement and enrich the game experience. So I guess Halo 5 is coming out? Yeah, pretty yeah. soon. Yep. Yeah. This year, I believe. Yeah. Like, real quick, Always November. So. Like, the big games come out in November. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, the big launch. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Anybody a big fan of Halo? I, I love am. Halo. Oh, yeah. Love Halo. I played the first one, but I, I didn't keep up with it. I, I've played all of them, including Halo Wars, the real-time strategy game. Right. And that did a lot to help flesh out the uh, the backstory, too, the the war between the Covenant and the humans. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it is very Star Wars. Like, people that, um, you know, it, it is a video game, and, like, people think that might be a shallow kind of concept. But uh, there is a lot of backstory to Halo, and I think it's very compelling, and I think it is very cool, like, sci-fi uh, if it, when they're you know with the television series, I think they're really going to explore like the backstory of who these aliens are, as opposed to you know the humans and what actually Halo is mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So yeah. comic books translate well to film, but have video games really translated well? What's your favorite video game to movie translation? Uh, let me ask you, Frank. Uh, I would say it would be Super Mario Brothers, right? Nope. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Advent Children, the uh, movie sequel to Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I just very recently got the director's cut version uh-huh. of that, and I mean that's kind of niche. It's obviously not, uh, you know, mainstream, right? But uh, that is by far the best because it, it kept up with the story. Is that C- this CG, right? Complete, yeah. Complete okay. CG. What about live action? I just wanted to give you some time to sure. think there. No, good. And I thought that would be like, instead of playing like the Jeopardy music, yeah. I thought I'd play your little theme song. Right, there. right, right. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Um, um, You're so polite. <laughs> the, the, they've had a real hard time bringing uh, video games into movies. Yeah. Right. And Double Dragon, Double Super Dragons, Mario Brothers. Super Mario. I mean, yeah, it's, all, it's been rough, man. Horrible. And then uh, any of the movies by U Bowl have been awful as well. Dr- uh, Dungeon Siege. Things like that. The stories are completely ridiculous. Um, live act, it's tough because there really hasn't been. What a, about the original Mortal, Mortal Kombat movie? That was good. Its sequels were horrible. That was probably, I, I would say that <clears> would be the best one. I think the biggest problem between, uh, bringing a video game 
on the screen as opposed mm-hmm. to a comic. Um, I saw something actually today that that put it better than I ever could. A movie is not going to tell you you're watching it wrong. A comic book isn't going to tell you that you're reading it wrong. A video game, you can be punished for not playing it in the proper way. It really forces you to put yourself in that position and in some time, in some ways, I feel a deeper connection playing role-playing games than I ever have watching film. Right. Hmm. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, you don't really, it's hard for you to pick out like the definitive video game to movie translation. Yeah, because there's nothing that matches the experience. Everything has been disappointing. That's yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I, I'm sure there's a movie we're overlooking, but Jay, wh- what are you thinking, man? I, I I don't know. I mean, I think I uh, with today's video games, I think I get almost that cinematic experience. You know, I right. I almost feel like some of the video games today, I am getting that movie experience where I'm watching something and I'm really enjoying it in in kind of an epic scale. Um, but there hasn't been a, a, a video game that's been translated well. Now, what I mean, are you saying that Street Fighter 1994 Street Fighter with Jean Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia's final performance was not the pinnacle video game to movie <laughs> translation, Jay? I am. Oh. What the fuck? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to totally agree with you. It was a pile of, of horseshit. And, and and me and you both paid money to see that. Oh, absolutely. I, I shelled out cash for that shit. Oh, I was like, shit, dude. I'm going to see a fucking Jack Blanca and yeah. shit. Dude, it should have been fucking Lou Ferrigno, man. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah. Absolutely. Totally let down by that I, I just don't see, like, that being uh, the same as comic books. Like, it's not that fleshed out where you have that kind of mythology. You have that backstory. Okay. We know that there are backstories and, like, intriguing things about these characters in video games. Like, I'm not discounting, like, Ninja Gaiden, Strider, you know, the characters in Street Fighter, the characters. But they haven't been translated in the film yet. They have, it's almost been, like, a, a very cheap shot way of doing it, always. Um, I'm, I'm gonna ask, John next, and I, I got a feeling that John is going to beat me to the punch on this one about the movie that's my favorite. But I'm going to let him go anyway because he's a smart dude. And John, what, what do you have a favorite video game to movie translation? No pressure. Um, no, um, I was. I'm actually looking at a list of stuff, and you're, you didn't, we're not overlooking anything. I mean, Tomb Raider I, was I, just okay. Then let me say mine. Then if you don't have one right off the top of your head, I'm going to say Resident Evil, Ugh. the first one. I'm going to say Resident Evil. Okay. John, uh, Frank's looking at me and shaking his <laughs> no, head. No way, man. I'm telling no. you, dude, in the first movie, those dogs were terrifying. That first movie. The, right, but it, it's kind of like just with comic books. It didn't have anything to do with the story, even though it was a little jacked up in the game. It, it wasn't a one-to-one thing. Yeah. So I that, that was part of the reason I'm not why saying I, like these movies are like – it's not like watching The Godfather. Okay, right, yeah. but it's it's like a, a guilty pleasure. I, yeah, I, yeah. I I got a kick out of watching the first Resident Evil film. I really did. I really did. I had a lot of fun with that movie. Yes, yeah, see, I haven't. And seen these movies have since. blown up internationally. I mean, they don't they do okay domestically. Yeah, but the Resident Evil films have blown up internationally. Like they're huge overseas, like Japan. Right. Oh my God! Look at the international box office on these. That's why they make these movies. That's where they're coming from, right? right? So. The, the video games themselves, but I mean stuff like um, stuff like Resident Evil One, uh, and and even like the Mortal Kombat stuff. Like what I'm looking for, what, what I'm looking for 
is something like Zelda. Like, I want to see the adaptation of Zelda. Like, if they're going to do World of Warcraft, yeah. why can't we do a good Zelda movie? Like, right. to well, me... They're doing the World of Warcraft film, which has just recently wrapped filming. Mm-hmm. It's wrapped. So World of, uh, so, uh, World of Warcraft is going to come out. That'll be interesting. We've already seen, like, the uh, adaptation to the board games. Yeah. We right. saw Dungeons & Dragons with uh, Marlon Wayans, which was a pile of horse shit. Yeah. And then, you know, I'd say a couple years ago, we saw Taylor Kitsch. Uh, somebody sunk that movie, Battleship, because that was a yeah. pile of crap. Right. And, uh, John, you're looking at a list there. Uh, you said we didn't really miss anything. Is there anything that you can – I don't know. Anything else you want to throw out from that list? I mean, from from the list I'm looking at, I remember, and I, I only saw it once in theaters, but I remember actually liking the Silent Hill movie, the first one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, visually, like there was a lot of cool shit in Silent Hill. I, I like that too. I, I I think I agree with you on that one. Like visually, like I thought that was really cool, as opposed to every other video game movie I've seen that's tried to adapt something. Um, it, besides besides some of the stuff in Resident Evil, which I agree with you, like was it hearkened me back to like playing the game and reliving some of those experiences yeah but um i think zelda just has such a rich story like i think that's what's missing i think that's why halo might succeed is that there's kind of this rich story and background about all right. these things but they're still trepidatious about it because it's not making a cinematic release this is going to be like a i mean how but they got to taste it because several years ago there was a Final Fantasy movie, The Spirits Within, that was released, yeah. and it was awful. Yeah. And yeah. they thought yeah. that they were going to sell tickets based on the name alone. And anyone that knows the Final Fantasy series, up until recently, did they only start making sequels to the individual games? Uh, at the time that they came out with that movie um, – they didn't do that. Everything was all an original story. So some people were confused, thinking that they were going to see a continuation of some story somewhere, and it was, of course, all original. Right. It, it, it was just awful. The, the visual effects were beautiful, but the story didn't hold up at all, yeah. and it nearly bankrupted them. Yeah. That was- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hammer time. <laughs> Beautifully said, Frank. Thank you, Frank. Hey, uh, John, John, we keep cutting this guy off. That's all right. We're having the wrong conversation. We should be having the which is the worst video game adaptation conversation because this list, yeah. it's just a list of bad movies. Let me fire some off. You tell me if you liked him or not. Okay. Alone in the Dark. No. Uh, that sounds like me last night, but is that, is that, me, a, me and you played that. Me you and you played that, that when it first came out. I played that every night. Yeah. In my bathroom. <laughs> yeah. It, no. it was Christian Slater and Tara Reed as a scientist. Yeah. It was that a U Bowl film? That, that was like, wasn't that like a turbo graphics video game or some shit like that? Like yeah, it, was it was like real life actors, but that yeah. was a video game. Hammer time. It was a U Bowl film. Yep. Yep, see? See? All these horrible films done by you bowl it butchers. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> Alright, hey, John, keep going, man. Doom. Doom with the rock. Oh god, that was awful. Unfortunate. I didn't like it. I think uh, I, I think it started off okay and yeah. then towards the end it trailed off and got really bad. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it did. It did. That also had Carl Urban in it too. That was that wasn't that one. I mean, did you play Doom? household name Carl Urban? <laughs> <laughs> He's Just, my buddy. Did Did you play Doom, Doom a lot? Did any any of you guys play Doom a lot? I, I, oh yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. Can yeah. I tell you something? Let me check yeah. this out, dude. Yeah. My mom was addicted to like my mom. You know my mom. Yeah, I know your mom. My mom would play the 
fuck out of Wolfenstein. What? Yeah. My, my mom has beaten Wolfenstein. My mom, dude. And my mom loves Doom. Wow. She loves Doom. My mom used to play it on the, on the PC all the time. Yeah. Like I would go up into like the computer room. It was like a, it was like, okay, picture this. You go upstairs and you turn to your left and you got this door and there's like this cute little sewing room and my mom's got like all this country shit, uh, you know, up this country theme in there, you know, it's like a sewing machine and like this whole sewing bullshit. Yeah. But you look over to the right, there's a computer and all you can hear is <laughs> You know, it's fucking crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my mom's playing Doom. Yeah. And like I remember coming home from school, mom's playing Doom, you know, and shit and like you know, this is back when like it was like it was like a huge deal with like the video games rating thing where fucking uh Hillary not Hillary Clinton was going nuts about we need Joel to, Lieberman. Uh we need to uh put ratings on these games. Yep. Like yeah, yep. these games are destroying our kids and like you know, you had like Mortal Kombat with the blood. That was huge. Yep. And like you know they had Super the, Nintendo didn't do it, but Genesis did. Uh no, Genesis had the blood code. The right. only Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat that actually had the blood was a Sega C D. You could play it right out of the box and ah. it had the blood. Gotcha. You had to put in the blood code on the Sega Genesis. Genesis 16-bit system to sure. actually get the blood. Yeah. I had the Genesis, Sega Genesis, Sega CD. So I, was I was so like, fucking jealous. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I want some motherfucking blood. But Hillary Clinton's going fucking crazy during this time because of games like Doom and shit. And Doom was blamed for the Columbine stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, the kids are playing Doom and blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. So, you know, like... My mom's sitting here. Here's my mom. She goes to church every Sunday and all this stuff. Here's my mom playing this quote unquote demonic doom game. Yeah. And loving it. I remember coming home from school. And my mom's like, so Brian, I got the uh, God code. <laughs> <laughs> the I, fucking God the code. The God code. My mom's like going on a tear with the God code. <laughs> yeah. Here's my mom just like, <laughs> <laughs> she's got the shotgun, the chainsaw, yeah, all that right. shit, you know, she's killing demons. Yeah. Here's my mom, you know, she's by like, you know, in her 40s, going around killing demons. The God Code was the only way to beat the game. Would you, and- would you ever thought that about my mom? No, absolutely not. Yeah, my mom loved Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein 3D. She loved uh, Doom. My mom was all about that shit, dude. That's insane. We were all into that, and she didn't tell any of us. I knew. <laughs> my introduction knew. to Doom was uh, another guy we went to high school with, Brian Leahy. I went over to his house. And uh, he had a shareware version, and he had the BFG 9000, the big fucking gun. Big fucking gun. He had it modded to where it looked like a dick, and when he would shoot it, it would come all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever play, like, the Beavis and Butthead one? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't see that. Yeah. That was one of the funnest things about that game was the fucking modifications. Yeah, the could... people, like, they yeah. bought Barney, yeah. the purple dinosaur. Yeah. And Steam, Steam still does that. They allow people to make their own modifications to games like Skyrim and things like that, because I was playing that, and I had the fucking Death Star up instead of the moon. Oh, yeah. 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 That's awesome. All right, John, keep going with these movies. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to skip some of the crappier ones. Uh, Max Payne with Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Never, never saw it. Okay. I saw really? it. I saw it. Now, never. that's a game I actually played. I loved the first Max Payne. I got really good on it on my PC. I, I had been off from games for a while. I fell in love with that game. I got super excited about the movie, and then the movie was had nothing to do with the game, and it was about like taking drugs and seeing demons. It was so bizarre. Not good. Yeah. 